Always wear socks in case you step in the butter. Ah! <laughs> what the hell? That's not even a. That's an that's aphor- just, that's that's a thing. That's an aphorism. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Norwegian aphorism. You're just making that shit up now. I am, but I choose to believe I, it's I, true. I made up this accent. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to repeat that butter thing again, so I, it's stuck in my head. Go ahead. Always wear socks in case you step in the butter. I love it. I think it's the official tagline of Geek Show. <laughs> he was about to he was about to say sure, and then he was like, "Oh no, they'll tell me to make a sticker." No, <laughs> <laughs> write it down. I'll I, make I, a sticker. I think that's a fine sticker. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll put on a sock halfway, and we'll take a picture of my foot. No, 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 no. We'll get the weird Geek Shock members stepping right into butter. I rescind my request. We'll get the Tarantinos, and I don't want those Tarantinos. Hey. Our uh, DJ responded to QT's comment about MCU. Okay, there's a lot of I don't know, <laughs> lot of letters in I there. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> what, what? I speak your language. I don't understand what you said. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Tarantino, uh, like in the last week or two, made a comment about uh, how the way Marvel movies work right now, the business thing. There, there aren't really any movie stars. They don't make any movie stars. The franchise. Oh, he's foolish. Is the stars? And it was really funny because. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson stepped up with Chadwick Boseman. But then uh, somebody asked uh, Robert Downey Jr. his response to that, and he actually gave a very thoughtful reply. So a lot of it was like, I don't see why we need the... Hemsworth? There's another one. Well, yeah, yeah, and he was just like, I don't see why we need to throw rocks at each other and stuff like that. Mm, That makes sense. I always felt anyway that... And they've gotten away from this over time, but maybe not so much with the main characters, but you should cast unknowns as superheroes because you don't want, say, Tom Hanks to play a superhero of some sort because then you have, that's Tom Hanks playing Mr. Fantastic or or whatever instead of seeing Mr. Fantastic on the screen. And that's, that's, I mean, that was... Like you said, that was sort of how they're doing. I mean, Downey was such on such the downslide. Sure, it's, it's uh, and actually, it's funny that Tarantino said that because it's like Downey went from zero to one hundred. I mean, he he's not only uh, a, a star and a Marvel star, but he is the reason on the on that side of the camera. Because you gotta, you gotta give credit to Feige and Favreau, but on that side of the camera, he's the reason why Marvel, the MCU, works. Well, also Downey had to be, had to say something, you know, thoughtful and pulled back because it would seem a little disingenuous <laughs> for him to point to himself and go, "What the? What about me?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I'd do it. I wouldn't. It was care. interesting. But oh. they, they do. They put villains, big names as villains, all oh, over yeah. the place. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to the main characters themselves more often than not not super well-known people i was gonna say i mean it's changed kind of changed over time you got brie larson sure is a captain marvel and uh cumberbatch right doctor strange good point that's it i uh, 
I, I know that Larson is a uh, is an Oscar winner, but I think in terms of health, in terms of household name, I was actually going to say it that way. In terms of household name, I think Cumberbatch may be the biggest that they slid in. Yeah. Um, once again, Downey is is in a weird zone because of the way his his career trajectory was going. Sure. In fact, I th- I think it's more interesting to have Ruffalo as the Hulk versus Ed Norton. As much as I love Norton and did enjoy that Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching Ed Norton on the screen whenever it was Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. too. Yeah. No, Although I guess I, you could even go further back than than Cumberbatch because when they cast Paul Rudd as Ant Man. Paul Rudd's Paul star Rudd, was already yeah, on the rise. Okay, no, and yeah, no, that's a good one. point. That's he a very good point. He had been in several you know, leading no. roles at that point. I, Ant-Man, uh, I like Ant-Man and, and the Wasp, mm-hmm. but I would, I would say that it's fair to say that that has, I don't think that that has done much to make Paul Rudd bigger than he already is. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like he yeah. was already no, no, I know. a multiple leading role. I, I'm agreeing with oh, you. Okay. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> it sounded like you were disagreeing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 666. <laughs> I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Blarg. Wait, I took your spot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're just not used to Matt being with us. I know. Normally, for, for the opening. Up. <laughs> now he's all butthurt. He's so not saying anything. Despondent. Not really. He says no, but his eyes yeah. say yes. Matt, yeah. you can have the end credit tonight since Dude, Jeff's not Yeah, here. get the end credit. And Matt. <laughs> and we were talking again. Careful there, Vlark. He's wearing the uh, Adidas uh, uh, Russian Mafia jacket there. <laughs> squaff, squaff. It's, it's Latvian. Come on. The, you know what I'm saying, bro? The Bratva. Of course, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to slav squat on my head later. <laughs> Sorry, I was so excited about it being episode 666, because yay, Satan! <laughs> Hell arguably and fire the, was bound to be released. Nail it. Uh, arguably the most important number for a show. Like, it's all downhill from here. 666, mm-hmm. pinnacle. There you I go. Don't know. It was all downhill from like 40. No, you're forgetting number 69. Nice. Nice. That, that was nice. a long time ago. So long ago. I know. Long was, ago. I know. Oh. That's... Jeez. God, guys, we're only 30 episodes away from... Six nine six. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Maybe it means something to Kay. Something very personal. Something That's very right. Something that touches him deeply that he wants to share about now. Well, you get the sixty nine, and yeah. then you get that other six in there. Oh, okay. That's very not okay. Yeah, although that's like other doing six, it in that's, a 180 kind of thing, well, or is no, it because a full 360? The third one third is, wheel is, is, on a, is. is on her back, and she's facing oh, the boy. ceiling. and yeah. Wondering what life choices she made to get to this point, and, and why this is so much work. Yeah. Yeah. Who has that kind of energy, dude? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen to Barry get old. No, we were just talking about your friend with two girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. Same thing. Who is that kind of... Well, he did... it. it the, see, the, the, one of the funny things about that particular relationship is actually one of the women was the one with the multiple partners. Because mm. the other woman was lesbian. Okay. And she... Uh. Uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think they had ever hooked up. I think that they... So had, it's not two girlfriends. Right. Okay. So the girlfriend, that. one girlfriend had a boyfriend and a girlfriend, essentially. See, I didn't know that part of it. 
yeah. See, it's not as cool as you, as you said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Well, you can understand now why he talked about it the way he did. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be the hero of his own story. Well, there you go. It's like you, it's cooler to say, I've got three girlfriends, than to say, I'm dating a woman who's dating two other women. Yeah, it falls apart very quickly yeah, upon inspection. So that's the, that's. As do most great <laughs> stories in life. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if Andy ever, if Andy ever comes to the table with a polyamory story, no, that's no, probably no. how it's going to go. <laughs> no, no, that whatever story he gives us would be ruined as soon as you start to picture it. <laughs> no, 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 Barry. I think I, I, I think you're short selling Andy's storytelling ability. He would ruin it himself. Before he got too far into the story. Yeah, ooh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ooh, ooh. sorry. It could be like Kate Beckinsale and Rachel Weiss and Andy. And the story's just fucking ruined. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. That, 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 that comes from a position of, of, of love. As, as a... Did you have to say position, really? All the positions are love. I realize position's the wrong word. But... I like it better now. <laughs> a place of love. No, I like position. We're going to go with position. All right, a little, little bit of business to take care of before we begin the show proper. All right. uh, I have put the Geek Shock Book Club on hiatus. Uh, it's, I don't know how long this stay will be, uh, but for the time being, it's for two reasons. One, uh, my lack of time to properly run it. I haven't been able to read all the books for it in the last year, and that's, I think, hurt the club quite a bit. Uh, also, there's been a waning participation over time, which could be a corollary as well. I think a lot of that also has to do with the Facebook algorithm. Mm. I, I think that it's just gotten buried to a lot of the members that unless they go searching for the club itself, it just doesn't pop up on their feed anymore. Mm. So That makes sense. Uh, when I do decide to re-up the club, it will probably be in a brand new presentation. I don't know what that will be when it happens yet, but I am exploring other venues for that. Ooh, maybe we go to Mastodon. So, you, yeah, sure. Um, something new. Me, some, we. Some, some, something that's, I'm going to do a little research, something that lends itself well to a book Truth, club thing. social. It's all about fiction. Uh, <sighs> oh, that, oh, that's it. That's it. There you go. I think we have found our contender. <laughs> Wow, so, Jeff left the room. So I, <laughs> rightfully so. That is, that is the proper response to that suggestion. So it is, uh, it's not dead, but I've put a pause on it for now. So uh, uh, in more time, there'll be more information as I explore a little further. But that's where it's at now. So book club members, I'm sorry to say, and I appreciate everyone. No more who, reading. Who has participated <laughs> over the last bunch of years. Uh, Goddamn, that, that club has lasted longer than most marriages so yes thank you so much for being a part of it and hopefully before long it will show its uh, cute little skull once again mm. uh, the other thing is uh, I'm almost done with the mini for uh, November I know we're in no de December now but uh, I'm putting the finishing touches on it so hopefully next week we'll be giving that away to a tier 3 or above member of the Kofi and if you want to learn more about our Kofi and various rewards go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock and learn more and that being said what geeky things did you do this week Matt give it to me give me something slobbery give me something wet and goopy give it Wow, Ugh. you took that sixty nine to heart. <laughs> no, no, nine six nine. Oh yes, yes. 
Or is it 696? 696. Yeah, 969. Either or, it's just like if you flip it upside down. That's our next big stretch. That's the one we want. I think you want that one. Yeah, so it was okay. you You like this, and then Jeff like this, yeah, and then yeah, that's Andy, how I envisioned Andy it. on the back. That's crying. exactly how I envisioned that. <laughs> Andy walked in the room, tripped, and fell over, <laughs> gently stroking her hair. And, then, and, then, and sorry, suddenly we sorry. were all having sex. It's sorry. weird. And he's it's weird. like a turtle with his legs just like, eh. No, 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 no. See, there's two people on the bed fucking, and then oh, it's, it's Andy. See, it, it's the 696 is seen from above, and the other six is Andy on the floor because he dropped something. He like, dropped a full milkshake on the carpet. <laughs> And he's, and he's cleaning it up. At least he's calling it a milkshake. <laughs> yes, yes. I should let it go. <laughs> Put that out in the world. So you're saying... And it's and, a shamrock shake. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> Ask the universe and they'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Andy's milkshake brings all the voices. No, <laughs> no, no. Damn, damn right, it's better than yours. <laughs> Andy's shamrock shake brings all the Irish boys to the. Somewhere, Andy is like, I feel like somebody's talking about me right now, and I can't figure out why. And why do my boobs hurt? <laughs> and also, I agree to all of this. <laughs> Well, yes. let's see. What did I do? What did, I do? What did, do? Uh, what did I you do, Ray? Your your glass from Galaxy reminded me that I went yeah. to see Black Panther this week. Ah, so it was pretty good. Yes, uh, pretty good. First one was better. Yeah. I think. Well, yeah. This not this just because Chadwick wasn't in it or whatever. Well, he wasn't in flashbacks and scenes and all that, but it was a much more cerebral film than I was anticipating. I mean, you know. The, the whole notion of how do people deal with loss and, you know, how everybody grieves in their own way, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, does that loss turn into rage, you know, et cetera. Uh, just deep themes. So. Yeah. And I did like the um, how Neymar was brought about. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That cool works. interpretation. Yeah, it worked. I liked it, yeah. Yeah, yeah they made it work. Yeah, because Paul was like, isn't he Atlantean? I'm like, yes. And then I went, I, I talked about like how they don't have the rights, universal, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Ah, like, <laughs> there you go. There you just yeah. neutralize everything with universal rights. Yeah, oh, universal man. rights. She goes, oh, okay. Oh, I really well, liked it. Not to mention, I, I think Aquaman being such a successful film and, you know, playing up the whole yeah. Atlantis theme in that, I think rather than try to, I think they're just trying to avoid brand confusion by going that route with Namor, well, so, and maybe. I and I think it works. I, I mean, I like the real, the the Aztec theme. I, I really I like how it. they made it work. So yeah. you know, whatever their whatever their reasons behind it were, I don't know if they'd be too worried about. Although it's ironic because Namor was first, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, but but they totally made their approach work. So I yeah. thought it was Mayan. No, it was Aztec. <clears throat> was it yeah. Aztec? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I just and I also like the like how they, how he hates the surf uh, surface worlds because yep. of the conquistador. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Aztec. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not all of my South American, Central American religions, even though I probably should be. Yeah, well, Mr. Colombian. I know. You know, fun fact. Um, I was born in Cali, Colombia, and uh, belonged to a cartel. If you wish. <laughs> uh, the wow. indigenous peoples there apparently were rumored to be cannibals. Oh, I could see it. That explains at you. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, Looking that at does. You. Are they fine young cannibals? I don't know. Okay, I haven't been there. Do they drive you crazy? 
Wow. That's all I did. <laughs> Welcome back, Matt. Well, it's solid. It's a solid. He, like he, he actually cops doing something. So Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it. That, yeah. This is a 666 podcast episode. Yeah, Baby Steps. And you went to the, see the Viol- one for you. And you me. went to see Violent Santa, didn't you? I did go see of Violent Night did. today. I did. Oh. Yes. Okay, Jeff. The, the floor is yours. I, Violent Night. I guess Knight. so. I got I got roped into that one. Uh, yes, Violent Night. It's uh, stars David Harbor as Santa Claus, and Santa is uh, a drunken <laughs> alcoholic who just doesn't care about Christmas anymore. Well, but. It sure, you turns, weren't watching Bad Santa. It, yeah, sure I am you weren't very watching sure. Barry. I'm very yeah, sure. really. Uh, but it turns into basically uh, a Die Hard type scenario. Christmas movie, Die Hard. Christmas with, movie with little bits of Home Alone <laughs> sprinkled in. Uh, it's fun. It's an original idea. Uh, it's it's very different from a lot of the movies that are you know typically out in the holidays. But I had fun with it. I had some genuine laugh out loud moments throughout. Uh, I enjoyed it. So I got. Did you go by yourself? I did. Loser. Yes. Well, you know, I don't give a shit about going to movies by myself. Wow. It, it was, wow. Wow. Really? It was, Man. It was Discount Tuesday, and I took advantage of Holy it. Holy shit, boss. Dude, I love going to movies by myself. Yeah. I love eating by myself. I just like being by myself. You know what? I'm changing my, my stance on that because uh, during Black Panther, people, there's only four of the people in the theater. And of course, fifty percent of them are talking nonstop. Oh my god! So yeah, did you have to be the asshole and like say something? I hate that. No, Ugh, it sucks. You don't hate that, Barry. You like being the asshole and telling them to shut up. No, I hate it. I don't like doing it. But he, I'm the only one who's gonna because people are all super nice about it. He doesn't say shut up. He goes, <laughs> you know, one of, he's he's that guy though. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him. A, I'll give him a couple. Shushes first, okay. you know, just to so, so they don't know where it's coming from. I'll still continue to look straight <laughs> the only forward. Other person in the theater, <laughs> yeah. Well, it went when that then then I don't care, and then I'll get pissed. I'll 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 snap the finger and point. <laughs> like if they're behind me, I'll go snap and point at them without looking at them. There you go. <laughs> you know, I've actually seen him do this, and it's, they're like, "What the? F- look at this fucking idiot!" Up and here. they shut up though. Well, it's scary because. At you, that they don't point, know what's coming. Next. Yeah, you, that's like some wow, weirdo. This with, guy's weird. Some long-haired marked. weirdo with giant rings on his finger, snapping and then pointing at you until the lights come. They're like that guy. We could have taken him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about what you're willing to do. <laughs> I, I, I did. You want to do? You're gonna bring the six nine six on them? Is that what you're? I'm gonna get Andy. He's gonna spill that milkshake all over him. You're gonna, gonna do an Andy and drop turtle. Andy, the little milkshake turtle, just <laughs> drop turtle. What the hell does that mean? The drop turtles. They're the drop very turtle. dangerous. You don't want to go into that part of no. the forest. No, you don't. <sighs> drop turtles. No. <laughs> Those big, hairy, soft shell bodies. Just oh yeah. But no, I don't like being that guy. Yes, That's, you do. Uh, no, no. I, I'm just willing to do it when other people will just sit there and suffer. Yeah. Do in you silence. know? Do you know how many serial killers have said that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> seven. There were seven. Seven, seven that of them. said that. Just the one sitting across from UK. Do you put your pr- trash out on time and mow the lawn? Good guy to the neighbors. No, I don't put my trash out in time. In fact, I forgot <laughs> last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're not a serial killer. And I don't have a lawn. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He definitely mows the rocks. Yeah, he mows the rocks. 
Deb's listening and like, God damn it, you forgot to put the trash out. I'll put it out on Sunday. <laughs> and mow that'll, the rocks. That'll be her whole takeaway from this episode. Yeah. yeah. Barry forgot to put the trash out by the road. She ain't even gonna listen. And he's standing out in the front yard with the rock whacker. <laughs> the, rock. The, the what? The rock, the rock whacker. I'm trying to picture in my mind what a rock whacker looks yeah, like. Yeah, I have no clue either. Yeah, I don't want to draw that. I um, don't know, but I bet it looks a lot like Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Just I Andy's like, legs. I like this this episode. I like the theme. So I thought it was all going to be all about the great Lord Satan. But it no, is Andy. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's the, everyone thinks Satan's going to be terrifying. Satan's going to be. You're going to get scared to the tip of your toe. No, he's gonna Satan's going to come in like a big old messy. Like you know, Andy without a haircut. Yes, and uh, and spill Guinness all over so your he's legs. Exactly, a beard full of milkshake, like a big teddy bear that was dunked in Guinness and uh, not brushed. And <laughs> you're just going to be like, "Whoa, what, what, what's this?" And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the world's in flames. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And then, then you just, you just hear in the distance. Sorry. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. And 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 occasional echo on the wind. You have to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do, Jeff? Uh, I got a little bit of gaming in. Uh, Ooh, what'd you do? What'd you do? I, uh, well, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the show before, but I did start uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. Um, I'm, I'd say probably about 45, 50% through it now. Um, I did have to do something I've never had to do on a video game before. Masturbate? I had to. <laughs> I had to drop the he totally the difficulty. Miss Pac-Man. As I started off as Jedi Master, but at a certain point, I kept dying at this one point. Well, you missed over the, and you over missed and the over. Jedi Masturbator setting. <laughs> oh, further off. Zing. Yeah. Wait, so, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. I had or, to what drop it down in, to Jedi Knight. What level is normal? Uh, normal is Jedi Knight. Catamite. But that's it also says <laughs> when you're going through the settings, it's like bottom for, for people who are more interested in the story, and then Jedi Master is the people who are on your back like a turtle. With third person <laughs> milk games like turtle. that. So I just went with Jedi Master because that I never believe that shit. I always play it on normal first because you never know what the game what difficulty means to you yeah but see it's all it's all jedi terms it's like padawan jedi knight jedi master etc and masturbator it doesn't really give you exactly how difficult each level is play it on normal play it on default well it doesn't give you a quote-unquote normal that's the problem so i don't know anyway um i'm enjoying that i'm having fun with that storyline's really really fun uh and then i also uh, finally got my copy of Ghostbusters uh, Spirits Unleashed. Um, still don't know how I feel about this particular game. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Tell me, what, I mean, what's the out, game like? came out uh, beginning of October, if I remember correctly, what's, but what, I just got my pl- copy. What's the gameplay in Spirits? Uh, it is, you know, you're, you've been hired by um, Winston Zedmore, who runs Ghostbusters, to be a Ghostbuster. And you go on jobs, and you bust ghosts, and then you come back, and you put ghosts in the storage facility, and you repeat. So Sounds like the Commodore 64 it, game so far. It, yeah. Honestly, do you drive I, around the Ecto-1? And I, I've only played about... The ghost vacuum? I've only played <laughs> about three, maybe four hours total on this game. Like, this but it feels job. like work. 
It doesn't feel like a game where there's a storyline driving it and you're just enjoying it because it literally feels like it's you've taken on a job and you're going out and doing this job, this repetitive job, and then you sounds, and then you come back. I'm sounds like, like Hard Space Shipbreaker to me. <laughs> I want to play yeah. this game. That's a, that's what I was thinking. So yeah, I, I I'll probably like go life. back and play a little more of it, but I just at this point I'm kind of on the fence on whether I like it or not. Hmm. But hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, the other thing. Actually, the other thing I did was something um, you've also been able to do is I've been listening to the uh, Will Wheaton Still Just a Geek um, audio book. Uh, that is really fascinating. The it, whole thing is just. It is super fascinating in the fact that watching a guy judge himself from 20 years earlier. Yeah, exactly. That is an interesting listen. Yeah. and you know, A little repetitive. Yes. But an interesting listen. Yeah. Um, but it does show that, you know, people have the ability to grow if they take a look at what they've been doing whether it's something that's cringeworthy and they should probably modify in their life or if they just continue on being that way throughout their life. Uh, and then going back and looking at it and said, yep, you know, I made the right decision to stop doing this, that, or the other thing and become a better person as opposed to, you know, a lot of people in life do the, the same cringeworthy jokes, you know, the sexist jokes, et cetera, and they don't grow or learn from it. But it's fascinating taking a step back and, and you know him taking a step back rather and and learning hey that offhanded remark that i made that you know everybody from my generation did for decades was probably not the best joke to be making it hurt people i know this now i'm not going to do that anymore i'm going to grow learn from this and grow as a person so but uh yeah it's uh i am 56% I think of the way through it so I've actually covered the majority of the still just a geek book and now it's in the epilogue I think which which is I thought that was interesting when I hit was looking on the uh, you know the progress bar and I was like 56% and I'm only through half of this or I'm only at this 56% and the book is over and it's all epilogue yeah, so it's all extra 44 44%'s a long epilogue yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's a collection of essays. Yeah, that. exactly. It's a collection of essays, essays that wasn't speeches. part of the yeah original book, but it's, uh, is part of the audio book only. I think I, I I have one thing about that book I really didn't like because it didn't include something I really wanted to know about, and that was uh, the origin and the fall of tabletop. I really wanted to hear oh. something about that. He he does a quick essay that talks about the importance of board games and so on, which right. was enjoyable. Uh, but I know that, one, I'm, I'm fascinated where that idea came from and and how it grew into something larger. And I know it fell apart in a bad way. Well, I mean, he had to go to court over that, and then they ended up what settling out of court. Yeah. So I'm sure there's probably some kind of a legal reason why he can't Oh, give you the full story. Maybe there's an NDA, yeah. Yeah, I, I figured it was something along those lines, but I'm still disappointed by it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you can certainly say I'm under NDA. <laughs> he definitely had a leg to stand on as far as the, you know, demanding the financials and finding out that he wasn't being paid, etc. And, you know, why he chose to settle as opposed to go forward with the case when he had, 
you know, a leg to stand on, which mm-hmm. some people don't when they bring these. Well, it also depends on how cases. much you're owed. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're owed in the range that it would cost a lawyer, because it doesn't well, matter how big yeah. you are or how much of a slam dunk the case is, there's going to be a, a yes. fee of X amount. And stuff like that is at least five figures and, to start. And quite frankly, his feelings about lawyers are pretty well justified <laughs> considering yeah. Yeah, uh, what he went through with his, his stepchildren and the the stepchildren's biological father. It, it talks about it in the book, but mm. it wouldn't surprise me if he probably uh, sat down and looked at it, you know, analytically. It's like, okay, this is how much money they're offering for settlement. If I go to court and I win this much, minus mm. lawyers' fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I probably wouldn't make this much. Which so is that, probably the formula that the, oh, yeah. the company's lawyers use to offer the settlement. It would not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Because I have actually known people that have settled out of court, and that was their ultimate. It's not raising. arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, they said it's like once I paid the lawyers' fees, this is more money than I would have gotten had I gone to court. One, and then had to subtract yeah. everything else, and plus all of the time that you have to take away from your life. To and there's go also a chance maybe he just stuff. got tired of it and just yeah. said, "Screw it, let's do yeah. something else." It might be. There so, you go. Let's if you really want to do else. tabletop stuff, then you could just start a new channel or something, right? Possibly, yeah. Depends yeah. what he had to sign, huh? He has that's actually. All I got. Well, he has actually mentioned because he people have said to him, "How about starting a new tabletop?" And he's mentioned yeah. there's there's a lot of work in, involved in getting that running. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and yeah. and he was like, I, I think he's he was like, I'm just not in a place where I could devote that kind of time. Because it's, it's obvious how much time that show took. Yeah, and it's edi- it was a show. Yeah. It was a show. It yeah. was not. It had production. It was value. not just a, a a simple actual play with some cameras up. Yeah, it wasn't six people sitting around a kitchen table. Yeah, <laughs> yakking at each other about Andy's milkshakes. <laughs> and Though there's a video show. Yeah, you know. It'll have yeah. like one episode. Milkshake turtle. Yeah. He can teach you, but it'll have to charge. Uh, ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, did he actually uh, ever talk about... Um, uh, Good story. He probably did. Penny Arcade? <laughs> no. No? Yeah, I, I think that's another one where he probably... Yeah. There's some kind of... What? Legal reason why he didn't address that because he's he's he's, he had a big falling out with Penny Arcade many years ago. Yeah, he he doesn't do the he doesn't do the Pax East or West anymore. Yeah, he doesn't do their their D and D things anymore. I know there was there was something about him and Scott Krahalik. So I don't know, but I don't I don't know the details. So Jerry. And I think that's no. what I think my, my big disappointment was. I read the original Just I'm a Geek. sorry, not mm-hmm. And so having it, covering it with the annotation, that was fine, but I knew there was a lot more added to it. Right. And I was hoping that lot more added to it was Just a Geek Part 2, what I've done since then. Uh, and it was just a collection of essays. Fine essays, well-written essays, right. great speeches, right. but not what I wanted. And that, by the way, is a great autobiography title. What I have done since then. <laughs> I agree. I was born. This is what <laughs> I have done since then. Uh, you could fit it on this piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> Double spaced. <laughs> One side. 15 point font. Barry, what'd you do? Um, well, I was going to ship break, but then I sat down and I said, you know, I, I kind of beat the story. All the ships to left 
that are left to break and hard space shipbreaker are all kind of the same. I, I, I stand firm in that I want DLC where they can break new and interesting ships, but that's not coming anytime soon. So as I was perusing Xbox Game Pass, I found the dumbest game and I absolutely love it. It's called Vampire Survivors. There's no vampires in it. Right? <laughs> you can buy the game straight up for like five bucks. But oh. or, or, so it's you know, if you don't have Game Pass, screw it, just buy it. And it's like a roguelike bullet hell where you upgrade your dude and their powers and it looks kinda like a Robotron. Kind thing. of like a Robotron thing, yeah. Except that the map just goes on and on infinitely and you have to survive for like fifteen or thirty minute stretches. Yeah. That's a long stretch. And it's a long stretch. And you die a lot in the beginning, but eventually you get to the point where you can survive that long because all your powers are, are like built up, you know, plus 10 to this, plus 5 to this, da da da. And, it gets, and the game gets hard. And so hard, you can barely see any of the enemies for all the powers that are shooting off. It's just ridiculous. And I will post like a tiny little video on the Discord to show you how cool this game is. Um, you can just look at it on YouTube. It's, it's dopamine. Man, it, it hits that spot. There's a lot of bright lights and action happening. Yes. It's Fli- very Flishy flash. It's it's super chaotic, and you'll you'll get it after like the first couple of plays. But the instructions are very, very thin. So you kind of have to figure it out. It's, it's I like so that. dumb. I love it. I love this game. Go play it. Um, vampire survive. Vampire survive. No, no vampires in it. No. And but, you definitely can't survive. You, no. So you can't survive. There's vampires on the cover art. No vampires in the goddamn game. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> just, what, what, what marketing team? I, okay. Sure. It's just made by one Italian dude. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Well, he that's, probably said something different and it didn't translate from Italian. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. But sucker survivors. <laughs> that's, that's the big it's va- thing. It's vampires. That's, the, that's a 969 game. <laughs> That's the big thing I've been doing. Um, otherwise, I, I'm having what we call unsupervised time right now. Because <laughs> Deb's out of town. So what, and I don't know how to take care of myself. Right. So, I find myself going to bed really late, eating okay. cake for, for lunch. Perfect. I, it, it's, I'm, it's just chaos. I love it. Yeah. The cat's fed. Okay. You know, See? the house is getting clean. Responsibility. Yeah. Well, you can't leave Bartimaeus alone because he will... Come get you when it's time to be fed. Oh, yes, he will. And he will not shut up until you feed him. No, he will not. So so Barry has no choice but to feed the cat. It's not just, a matter of... It's its own I, alarm I clock. I envision you like, what do you want? What is wrong with this cat? Oh, I never had to cat do that because I would just hear <laughs> what staring cat? at me. Barry would just He's be like, shut up. <clears throat> that, by the way, should From be one of our in the house. Geek Shock mobile games. What? Feed the cat. <laughs> feed the cat. <laughs> And just, just you know, you're going through going through your day when suddenly your phone's like, and you pull it out, and there's the cat just staring at you. <laughs> and you got to go through feeding the cat before it'll clear your phone. Well, if well, it's going to be a Geek Shock game, it's got to be Jeff feeds the cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you're walking through the house to get the cat food, you pass through a room, there's a milkshake turtle Andy on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to get by that. And yeah. Then, yeah. Okay, so the, the the Geek Shock game is going to be Feed the Cat, but it's going to be chock full of all the memes that we've developed <laughs> over the go. last like 10 yeah. years. I love this idea. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking for the Geek Shock game idea. Yeah. Not that I'm going to make it, unless it's in Minecraft. I could make it in Minecraft. I haven't played Minecraft in months. Oh. I really have just let that 
You put your Go foot in the butter on that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Were you wearing socks? Uh, <laughs> I, have, I, have, I feel sock? bad about it. And every time Dev and I just have some time, we have other shit to do. Our lives are busy. Um, and they've gotten progressively busier. Yes, but, but you're not busy when Deb's not there. What's the common denominator? Andy? <laughs> <laughs> he can't math. This is going to take some work. <laughs> That's she, all I got. She's got him programmed. <laughs> he's, like the, he's like in Westworld. He's just like, I don't see any problem there. <laughs> derp, 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 derp. So I've done a few things since I've been last been on the show. Imagine that. Uh, I finished a book, and I wanted... It's a weird place I'm in with this, because I wanted to like it more than I did, but I love the setting so much, I'm looking forward to the next book. Uh, it's by Jonathan Mayberry. It's his foray into epic fantasy. It's called Kagan the Damned. <laughs> uh, and what I love about this is... It seems to be set in the far future after this is the uh, the sword and sorcery world that was created after uh, the Earth was destroyed millennia ago, whatever. Oh, boy. So, it, so, it, has, sounds cool. so it has that feel. You're but, selling me. But wait, what, wait, wait. wait. The sword and sorcery world was created after the Earth was like... Ravaged by Nuclear war, war, whatever. War, war, yeah. I have now, seen now, this cartoon. But, but here's the Thunder th- the Barbarian. <laughs> yes, but, but that's but here, here's the thing with it. It's, it has nothing to do with Thunder t- because it is also set in a world where Lovecraftian beasts exist and various factions worship them, and they are vying for shit uh, for control in no. on the earth. That's oh, killing. this is this is rifts. Wow. Uh, riffs, but <laughs> set in more of a Conan-style universe. Okay, Conan. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, the I mean the uh, <laughs> the bad guy worships Hester. The quote, <gasps> quote unquote good guys Who? worship Cthulhu. Um, it's the good guys worship Cthulhu. Well, good guys is a very very you loose term in this. Wow. Week. And uh, being Jonathan Maryberry, a, a fantastic author, I love his stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, very, Gomer Pyle but, TV shows, uh, great. <laughs> a brutal uh, horror author. So that brutality comes through in what you'd expect in a somewhat grim, dark universe. You, you should, you should blurb this fucking novel because you're just selling it all over the fucking place. <laughs> That's what I mean. The setting is grand. Uh, the characters aren't all that strong. Oh, and that's that's been the kind of the, the drawback to it, uh, from Kagan himself to uh, uh, all the way to the villain. There's some neat twists and turns, things that seem like it's going to go one way, like it's telegraphing where it's going to go, and then ha ha, pulled the curtain, and that's not where I'm going at all. What the twist? Uh, but <laughs> the book starts off with a massive bang. The, the it's it pulls you in immediately into this world with with action, betrayal, and. A falling of an empire. And then the next 150 pages, nothing much happens, but lots of things happen. It's really weird. There's no character advancement, but there's a lot of world building that is interesting. And it's created this weird little seesaw where I'm like, I don't care about these people, but I really want to know more about the ecology of this world they've well, built. Okay. Yes, this is exactly what happened to me when I played the, the role-playing game Blue Planet, which the original version was, I don't know, it was done by nobody, but it was picked up by Fantasy Flight Games. It's, it's I think it's out of print now. Uh, wonderful, wonderful world building. The game system, ugh. 
actually playing the game, eh. But love the world building, though. I want to hear more about that. I, 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 and he's already made some references to some of his other books that he's written. S- very subtle ones that if you've read them, you'll know, but they don't impact the story at all. Just little Easter eggs. So if you read a lot of Jonathan Mayberry, I know at least you, Matt, has. Um, not you, Matt. The, uh, two the other geeks, you, Matt? Matt. Yeah. Uh, uh, got it. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> So it's, it's a, I'm in a weird position where I'm like, I feel like I want to recommend this book, but I don't recommend this book. Wow. Hmm. Okay, we won't put that in the blurb. <laughs> no, you th- don't think that's no, going to sell the back? Let's not. Kirkus reviews? Th- we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave that part out. <laughs> so I, just, yeah, I want to recommend this book, but I don't. Geek <laughs> shot. Die. There you go. If they made it into a role-playing game, maybe. then That's, that's what I'm hearing. Perhaps. It's, uh, this would be a fascinating uh Fantasy world. To Make it into a TV show. Gender swap the characters. It's a world where magic's been outlawed for hundreds of years, and then all of a sudden, a empire, well, old empire that uh, had fallen and was was a magical empire and was stripped all of its magic, comes back and brings magic back into the world. But they're the only ones that have it, and they and that's the uh, Hester people. Uh, so king and the. The emperor's literally recalled the king in yellow. Oh, so it's if it's you're hitting all the right buttons. Right, if if you like Lovecraft, uh, there's a lot in this to like. If you're not into Lovecraft, you really should be. Um, so, King in the Damned. If if that what I've said appeals to you, it's worth checking out. I will say that uh, I did read the book uh, physically uh, because I. Started the audiobook and it's read by Ray Porter. Ray Porter is my favorite audio reader out there. The man has a talent for voices and making distinct characters that carry over book to book. Uh, however, he also reads almost all of Jonathan Mayberry's books in general. And I kind of have his voice now attached to the <laughs> Joe Ledger series. So when I started hearing the Keg and the Dam stuff, I'm like, okay, this is kind of breaking my head a little bit. So uh, I'll probably listen to the second book now that I've read the first book. Just because I wanted to have my own voices in my head for this book. So that's... that's <clears throat> oh, Ray that's Porter, the guy who read uh, We Are Legion, We Are Bob. Yeah. Okay, I like him. He's he's a fantastic narrator. Fantastic. I I have gotten audiobooks just because he's read them. Wow. Yeah. Well, what's really fun is when you start bleeding over and you don't remember what genre or book oh, yeah. you're reading, especially when it's nonfiction. So oh, that's I, weird. I was going to say the 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 biography of Abraham Lincoln read by Ray Porter, and you're just like, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> yeah. When's the weird science falling? There you go. <laughs> Deb likes. Uh, I think it's Masters. James, James Marsters? Marsters? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can see that. Definitely. Uh, I, I haven't heard any of it. She she used to read audiobooks like crazy when she was commuting for a long time. But uh, she, she re- always... reads audiobooks? You know what I mean. I, that's exactly how you should say it, too. I read audiobooks. There you go. I read plenty of audiobooks. Uh, you can't really read them while you're driving for three hours each way uh, from Austin to Houston. But, uh, yeah, she, she, always, she always mentions uh, Marsters being uh, one of her favorites. All right. I'm currently listening to reading the audiobook of uh, The Boy Who Loved Batman by Michael Uslan. Are you familiar with the name, Michael Uslan? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not, uh, he be. is 
one of the producers of all the Batman movies. Like he with from Keaton on. He was the reason why we got into Keaton. Uh, what is fascinating about him, though, is the dude is a comic book nut like nobody I have ever encountered. I've met many amazing comic book lovers out there, and I have listened to many people that have, uh, from uh, Tencent Plague on, books about comics everywhere. This guy is probably the biggest comic book fan. And puts his money where his mouth is because he's also... If uh, I believe uh, the first person to ever have a university course in teaching comic book history mm. in IU in the late 60s or is wow. it early 70s, somewhere in there. And he is narrating his own book. Normally, I don't get into that. I, I don't like when authors do their own books. They're usually not very good. Just the opposite here. He's really good at reading his own book. He is just entertaining to listen to. He is full of life and excitement about what he's talking about. And his journey from just being a kid who loves comic books into going to uh, IU and creating this class and then going on to work for DC Comics, that's where, where I am in it right now. It's about a third of the way through the book. Has been a fascinating journey, and I've loved every bit of it. One of my favorite stories in the early part of the book is where... He is going into a, uh, in the early 60s, he is going into the uh, uh, a pharmacy to get his comic books. You know, there's no comic book shops or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those those pharmacies that's run by the, the old man that everyone's scared of. Mm. All right, the guy that's, don't, you touch a comic, you're going to buy it. All right. So one of his friends suggests a new book that's out there, but he says the only place he's seen it is at this guy's shop. So he decides to brave it, goes into the shop, starts looking through the comics, finds one he's looking for, pulls it up with two other comics to pay for it. And the old man is like, you owe me 20 more cents because you touched the other three comics behind it. So you have to buy all four of them. And if you don't, I'm locking you in the closet. (laughs) What? So he has browbeat this kid into buying... Four copies of the same comic he only wanted one of. And he still owns them to this day. Four copies of issue number one of Fantastic Four. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's, and it's full of little antidotes like that. And uh, when you get into people that have got into producing or so on, and they give you their life story from the beginning, the, the fathers and the grandfathers and so on, in my opinion, I've style that stuff tends to be dry. That's that's part that I'm like, okay, let's get through this. My God, uh, I've started listening to Anthony Rapp's autobiography, and man, when it gets to his family, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm bugging out. I'm I'm just not interested. This guy makes it interesting. He's got interesting things to say about his family regarding the comic books itself. He keeps it really focused and attached to the whole theme of the book itself, and it's an impressive feat for us. Uh, somebody writing a memoir like that. So it's a Michael Uslan, The Boy Who Loved Batman. He's written another book uh, following up because I believe The Boy Who Loves Batman only goes up through the 90s and the next book goes into the uh, 2000s Batman. So hmm. Mine will be really easy. Matthew Marshall, Maple Leaf Matt, born May 26, 1982. 
Didn't do anything. <laughs> Died to be determined. That, that's his whole audiobook, too, right there. Yeah, but then Paulette's uh, book, What Matt Actually Did, is going to be a bestseller. That's going to be a bestseller, yeah. yeah. And she has to narrate it. She has to be the, uh, the one to read it. I mean, that's, uh, that's really all I'm going to bring up in this round. Kay, what you, would you talk about? Uh, well, it's really funny that Barry talked about the... Um, that game that he was playing Vampire Survivors and kind of thin on the instructions because uh, Barry and Deb suck oh. at describing <laughs> how a game is played. No, you suck at learning a game. Oh, oh my shit. God. You, to learn, you got to get the instructions. Okay, you don't need the entire instructions right away. You build on them slowly. Yeah, yeah. No, you, well, you could use the first step. It's like they break out a game and they go like, okay, so these cards are worth this, this card's worth this, and you need that, and it's sort of like, okay, so how do you get a card? How do you get cards? How do you get a hand? Do you have a hand up? Do you have a hand down? Uh, how are you exchange? And it's like all that part is just, oh, don't, don't worry about that. You know, like you need you need all the dessert cards. Uh, we were playing Sushi Go Party. Yeah. Wait a sec. Sushi Go? That's not a complex game. No, it is not. And they managed game. to leave out. They they left out. So it's like, OK, wait, wait, how you get a card is about how that game is based. Uh, yeah, that, that's that, that is Sushi Go. Yeah, I, uh, you, you can you can bring this up with her uh, <laughs> when she gets here. But I, next week but I, I i'm gonna just say this now and i say this to her face she's terrible at explaining games mm. and she thinks i'm terrible at explaining games yeah I well don't, you're both right <laughs> when we're both trying to do it we're fu- you notice we're yeah. fighting against oh, each yeah. other well wait listen, wait wait listen, first, listen. first 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 as an observer you both suck at games. <laughs> it's like it's like i'm sitting right next to lewis and i'm just like god i wish lewis knew this fucking game because no, lewis Oh my God! Lewis moans the blues, and he's like, "Okay, we'll just, we'll just lose." And then you're like, "You you miss one thing, and you're I, like, miss. I don't understand." I anything. miss. Uh, I miss. Uh, you yeah. miss. Yeah, you, yeah. sir. Yeah, it's all you. <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, to, to jump in though, the teach is the hardest part of the game, not the learning. Teaching it is so hard to do right. Yeah. Especially when the game has some complex rules. you Do you need to know everything when you first get into a game? It helps, but it, I don't want to sit there and read the rule book to you. I want to give you just the basics. Yeah, and then the basics you, would be great. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I want to give you the basics, and then I'll teach you a few other things. And the first game, doesn't matter who wins or loses. Oh, yeah. Because it's just a teaching yeah, game. Yeah, and never mind the fact that we only play one game, and then we move on to the next well, game. Do, do, do you know why? Because someone's a little bitch. Oh, yeah. It's ah. not because someone sucks at teaching and doesn't want to... I'm going to go through the second game and continue to not teach how to play it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the second game? Seven Wonders Architects. Another easy one. Yeah. Yeah, so I was told. I want you to go to Board Game Arena, mm-hmm. and I want you to try and... There you go. You want me to learn the games before you teach them to me. I'll tell you what I want to do. And this is no bullshit. I want you to read the rules on Twilight Imperium. And then I want you to read them again. And I want you to go to YouTube. Because we are going to play Twilight Imperium at some point. But I can't teach you that game. That has... You have to know going in. You have to know going in. I was... Now, I've only played it once. 
and I knew I was going to play it. On a Saturday, I went to a board game shop because Deb was out of town. I'm like, I'm going to play this game. They're going to play it there. And it was eight people. One guy kind of taught everyone, but he they strongly encouraged everyone to read the rules before you show up. And I did. Of course, reading the rules and looking on YouTube, you, you don't have the recall. You know, you can't – you don't know what the hell you're doing. But it helps, severely helps, to read them first. So if I knew what we were going to play, I would have said, hey, we're going to play Sushi Go. We're going to play Seven Wonders Architects. Check out the five-minute tutorial on the uh, um, Arena. Twilight Imperium, your game, you own it? Yeah. Well, then what you need to do is give it to Lewis. I will go to Lewis's house, and he will teach me yeah. how to play the fucking game. Fuck yeah. And then we can go to your place, and I can actually sit there and fill in all the holes you and Deb will skip over Deb's as you're explaining. Deb can't play that game. Don't worry, Kirsten. The first game of Twilight Imperium is just the teaching game. Oh, well, you see, that, that was Barry's, oh, no! that was Barry's oh, no! statement the whole game. is like, oh, there's an asterisk next to this one. But that's okay. I got my revenge because later on that night, I beat the living shit out of him and Tim at uh, Lords of Waterdeep. So. Nice. <laughs> he did. It was the most brutal-ass beating I have ever but, taken or seen <laughs> at that game. Holy crap. But it was funny because there was a little bit of shenanigans. Oh, it's an asterisk. Oh, there's an asterisk on that game, my friend. <laughs> we, uh, we played the basic game, but apparently the uh, expansions had not been put away thoroughly oh no so i managed to pick one up one card one card that was worth 40 points oh, and i God. just quietly picked it up and i'm like oh 40 okay and i just quietly sat there and filled it and i laid it down and those two were like what what and barry's like that was that was oh and i showed him the card and he's like yeah that's oh. and that's why you put away your games properly. Bro. Shenanigans. Oh that was shenanigans. That and also, I got the Lord that uh, gets extra points from buildings. Oh yes. Now that, that shit is over. As soon as as soon as I bought a building, a second building, and, uh, and Barry's like, "Up, ah, he's got the Lord with the building. Got the building. Got it." The thing is, is that he and Tim never blocked me from buying buildings. I bought buildings every single round. never had the scratch to do it. Tim did. Tim Tim set himself up nicely with some skullduggery plot quests where he was picking up gold damn near every fucking turn. And lots of intrigue cards. And oh, He had his own fucking deck yeah. of intrigue cards. Damn. Yeah. It, it, it that was, load of good it did him. Well, yeah, it was funny because it was like there... If, let's put it this way. If Lewis had been playing, or you had been playing that game, I would have been destroyed because I wouldn't have been able to get anywhere. I got 42 bonus points off of my buildings. Nice. Damn. That, that lord so, is overpowered, dude. It's not. No. Because Every as game as, I've ever played with that lord, I win. Every game I've ever seen played with that lord, because Because nobody blocks the buildings. Dude, it's it's six <laughs> points per building. You can only get a maximum of nine buildings. That's fifty-four points maximum bonus. If how many points did you win with? I won at two hundred twenty-four. Damn. No. God, no. Damn. No. It was higher than that, was it? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm you thinking were on the other side of the board. I'm sorry. Two hundred forty something. Yeah. There you go. I was thinking of the That's the insane. computer game I played last night. Yeah. Um, and we were in the hundred and so, no, you were. Yeah. It was crazy. Although. Although, if you factor out the 40-point card and all my bonus points, it would have been a lot closer. Tim pointed that out. That f Dude, that Matt, that 40-point card. <laughs> when I flipped that over and they were like, what? 
That was a, that was a sweet <laughs> moment. I, was, I don't know, dude. It was sitting right there in the, the the you know where we pick up the quest. I just picked up the quest, and Barry's like, yeah, normally nah. the game is very well balanced, and I recommend it to this day. <laughs> But you gotta put the shit away right. Also, don't play with Kirsten because he's a little bitch. Wow. Oh, wow. just because you don't have to. I know the game, so you can't trick me with you know inadequate rules instructions. <laughs> shit, nannikins. <laughs> uh, you know, for those of you, and there's plenty of you out there that have not played Lords of Waterdeep. One, it's an awesome game, uh, but two, it is my favorite episode of Tabletop ever released oh shit their their playthrough of tabletop is so entertaining because it is uh rothfuss uh Mm. the author fantasy author and felicia day Mm. and i can't remember the other guy's name oh shit but felicia day does such a good job of pushing will wheaton's buttons that he fucking explodes in the middle of this and just just a a trying to contain his frustration and just cannot do it anymore. Mm. And it's so entertaining to watch I her wanna, just turn I do want to watch that. It's, so if you want to learn how to play the game, watch the tabletop version of it and be entertained at the yeah. same time. That my favorite version of the tabletop uh, series is the, the zombie dice that they played. Oh, geez. Yeah. Where I forget who it was, but one of the players, he went on a, a run and he actually... His, was it the first? I think it was the first round with the dice. He's like, oh, you know, I'll roll again. <laughs> Brains. Yeah, you know, I'll roll again. <laughs> Brains. And he's just, in that first run, he's like 10, 11. At one point, you cut to the, the side talks thing, and Wheaton's just like, this is bullshit because the guy just went on a straight run and got all the brains in the first run and totally just smashed the game. It was great. Ah. <sighs> What else did you okay? Well, I think I think I'll rest on those laurels. Right. I, you know, I'm pretty. So I like it. Well, you know, before we get into the news, uh, we did get a little mail and a mail that requested from you, Barry, wanting to know about eight player board games. Good, good. So Philip, the uh, SC scoop, uh, gave us some suggestions. He says, "Have you played Captain Sonar? It's good but chaotic." I've, I have not. If I remember right, Captain Sonar is uh, three versus three. I think you can even play, or I'll say four versus four because we're doing eight. Uh, they're basically t- a ship uh, attack on each uh, subway. Uh, subway. Uh, submarine <laughs> attack. Okay. Uh, and each group is manning one sub. All right. And I think each person has their individual part of the sub that they control. Oh. Whether it's weapons or motion or what whatever yeah well i want the geek shock ip version of this game to be actual subway combat (laughs) see i thought it was going to be like sandwich making yeah we'll figure it out we'll put sandwiches in there uh he also writes cosmic encounter old but good with a high player count you know i've never played that 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 one is difficult because they're every time they put they print up a new edition it's sold to another company and they redo it the original, I paid the Mayfair Games original edition decades oh, ago, okay. and it was it is awesome. Yeah. But they change it every time it's sold and every time a new edition's put out. But the core rules stay the same. What they usually change is the aliens that are going at it. The power individual, because every mm. alien has its own power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the core thing to it. And there's some uh, Lovecraftian reference in there. Oh, yeah. Is it easy to learn? Yes. 
That's important a, for an eight player game. Yeah, the question is, you explain it. is it easy to teach? <laughs> Can I get a tutorial <laughs> video online? Uh, you know what I recommend for that one? Uh, watching the No Rules Bar. They've played it a few times now because it's been so popular to watch them play it. Okay. Because they are very entertaining at playing games. Uh, but it, they do a teach at the beginning of each one, so it's a good way of just learning it because his teach is quick. Okay. Uh, code names. Great and oh, limited yeah. size, also many themed version. Uh, the Great Dalmudi is a simple one, but it's a good trick game. I think we own that. Uh, Perudo, also known as Liar's Dice, just needs dice and cups to play, and you can do it any number of players. We once did 30 people. Holy crap. And he also says Fred the Kraken is a new one, a friend kickstarted that works with up to 11. So I don't know Fred the Kraken, but uh, there apparently is a Kickstarter to take a look at if you're interested. I may. He writes, hope this helps. Fill mm-hmm. the SC scoops. Thank you, Philip, for making your suggestions. And some good ones I recognize. What was that first one? Uh, the first one is Captain, Captain Sonar. Captain Sonar. I'm going to check out Captain <laughs> Sonar. I mean, I have Liar's Dice. I actually have like cups proper for it and everything. Shit. But, uh, yeah, Captain Sonar sounds interesting. It does. It does. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it it sounds like one solution to the whole lots of players in a game is make teams. Yeah, doesn't always work for games though. You know, the best games out there are like four or five players at most. You get your Dune yeah. Imperium in that. You know, you, mm-hmm. where people can take longer turns. And it's not going to take forever to get back to you, and you, well, you don't have to pay attention to every single person's thing. But games like Sushi Go, where everyone plays at once, it's that's the it, key. It, it makes it quick, especially when you got eight people over your house. So, yeah. so the 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 Geek Shock board game, we have to figure out how to how, uh, the expansion that allows more players. It's called Spin the Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> You spin it, and this little thing of milk just comes out. And you, you hope it's milk. The Geek Shock board game has to and be three. Kirsten has to yell, Andy! <laughs> has to be three to six players, and then Andy's the the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you buy, like, extra bonus bigs. Bonus bigs. Bonus bigs. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. Yes! What am I thinking? The bigs bonus? No, 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 no. It's a cooperative game. But someone's a traitor. Oh, probably Torgo. You have, you have no proof. There you go. The title is "Who's the Torgo?" <laughs> who's Torgo? <laughs> and they're fighting against Biggs. Fighting? Who's fighting against Biggs? Like, like the, the, the the whole group. So it's a cooperative game. You're like, fighting against Biggs, big, but, but there's there a, might be a traitor. <laughs> there's a traitor. <laughs> wow. So that was the most confusing description so, I think I've ever heard. You see? You see? You see? You see? He just described Battlestar Galactica the board game. That's what that was. <laughs> and it's a, a dice rolling, trick taking, uh, <laughs> yep. card deck, uh, deck, building. Deck, deck building. We're gonna have a spinner in there. Popomatic. I want a popomatic. Gotta have a popomatic. Two popomatics. Worker sure. placement. Are worker we gonna definitely worker placement? Are we gonna put How many D6 shot? in the popomatic? Or are we gonna you know? Oh no, one's a D6 and one's got a D20. <laughs> And and how many shot glasses are we going to need so for six. all the things that we? Oh, it's just you need six? Six. six. Okay. Six well, three glasses. to six. Yeah. yeah it's a, okay. Well, you need well, that, you need six shot glasses in the Kickstarter edition. Oh yeah, yeah. With all our faces on it. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Measuring rulers for movement. Fireball. Yeah. Nope. 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 Definitely not. <laughs> nope. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That got noped. That got noped really quick. Let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Woohoo! Oh, yeah! Boo. Don't cheer that. Oh. 
Xbox has announced that it's raising prices on its first-party Xbox Series X and S games to $69.99 US nice. dollars in 2023, starting with uh, major titles like Starfield, Redfall, and Forza Motorsport. Specific new price guidelines have not yet been announced for regions outside the U.S. It's also important to note this change has only been discussed in the context of new games, meaning it seemingly won't rec retroactively hike up the price of like Halo Infinite. Uh, the new pricing brings Xbox first-party games in line with increasingly standard prices across the industry. Uh, Xbox Game Pass makes the conversion slightly different here, however, as all these first-party titles will remain available as part of the monthly subscription. Now, that said, we don't know how long Game Pass will pricing will be stable either. While gaming subscriptions have not yet been well-tested as film and TV streaming just yet, we have seen streamer after streamer launch at a very cheap price to entice new subscribers and then increase those costs once users are on board. Uh, Disney Plus price hike hit this week. Uh, Netflix just began to offset its increasingly larger costs with a cheaper tier called Netflix Basic with ads. Uh, PS5 prices increase, increased throughout much of the uh, world in 2022 due to, quote, global e economic environment, including high inflation rates, unquote. Uh, Sony said at the time, uh, though those price increases did not affect the consoles in the U.S. So Xbox with the 70. Uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised it lasted this long to yeah. make that jump. It's it's. Now they've been te they've been toying with it for a while. Like the occasional title will come out at sixty nine ninety nine, and then nice. they'll drop it down to fifty nine ninety nine nice. after like three or four months. <laughs> do I like it? No, but do I expect it? Of course I do. This it's not a surprise. I, I love that with video games. We're gonna hike it up, but we're we're just gonna offer like the alpha version of it. Here you go, guys. Here, I wouldn't. Here, here you go, guys. It oh, wouldn't... it's bugged all hell. Oh, sorry, our bad. Still Here's 70 a, bucks, though. Yeah, we'll fix it slowly over the yeah, course we'll of five years, and you have to subscribe to it, and eventually it'll be free. Yeah. No, the, I, I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because I stopped buying new games. I, I got Xbox Game Pass for important ones, and nothing has come out that has made me say, I need to spend $70 on this recently. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe I should be playing uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Maybe I should have spent 60 70 bucks on it when it was brand new, but I don't. I got other shit to do. I don't care. I can wait, you know. So I'm okay. Patience. Playing. It's an amazing a, virtue. I know. I, and it's one that's rare from me. Yes, it is. My God. Wow. But when you put a price tag on it, it certainly becomes the price less of rare. Patience. Mm. It's sixty nine ninety nine. Now there's the nice. Biography. There's the biography. Nice. Really, every time we say it, it's gonna be nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. The price increase wouldn't bother me so much if the money was not just going directly into the execs' pockets. Because mm. it literally, every study has shown that the actual cost of the, the game development hasn't really changed much over the last few years. They're continuing to screw over the software coders that they hire. They're doing more and no, more so, crunch. At this point, I feel it's almost their own fault for not unionizing at this point. Yeah. Fucking unionize already. I... I agree. They should definitely have unionized a long time the ago. The Geek Shock game division will be unionized. Awesome. We'll do that. Teamsters? Um, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that woke up Barry. <laughs> well, they're a strong union. I went for strength. <laughs> I remember... I like an AFTRA kind of thing. <laughs> I remember Nintendo games cost like... 
what's it, like 30, 40 bucks? Yeah. I'm talking like 90s. When, when the, 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 new. For them, for, for the games, for nowadays, running 69.99, that doesn't seem like nice. much of a jump. Not, shut up. <laughs> no, <laughs> of course. The game's running almost seventy dollars. When the uh, Atari twenty six hundred games came out, forty to fifty dollars at yeah. the time in the seventies. Yeah. I remember my Super Nintendo games were all forty dollars. They were thirty nine ninety nine, forty nine ninety nine, somewhere yeah. in there, depending on the game. Because I remember oh, Street Fighter sorry. Two Champion Edition cost more than like all the other games that I had bought for it. Yeah, the games have always been expensive, and that's why I say it. I'm, frankly, I'm surprised it took this long. My dad had a shortcut uh, for me. Uh, they wouldn't yeah, through buy the, the woods, <laughs> by the wolf. It fell off the back of a truck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there was that. That's how I got my 2600. But for Nintendo games, no, no bullshit. Uh, for 20 for, for for Nintendo games, we used to go to the Jersey Shore uh, down Seaside Heights before it became loaded with douchebags. And the hurricane wiped it away twice, but that's another story. Um, that's just God's finger. Yeah. <laughs> Both the middle ones. <laughs> that's uh, what I tell all my dates. That's <laughs> just God's finger. That's just God saying, Bafangul. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, we would go down and put like a few bucks on a, on a big wheel and spin, and, and I'd win Nintendo games that way. I would, every other weekend or so during the summer, we would go down to Jersey Shore, and I'd come back with like three Nintendo games. And it was great. And my dad saved a ton of money because he'd put like 20 bucks down. You get a good chunk of the wheel. And chances are he'd win. And wow. I got some brand new titles that way mm. and saved him a, just a bunch of money. Very cool. I like it. Yeah. It sounds like you just took advantage of people who were terrible carnies. <laughs> I don't see a problem with yeah, that. Yeah, really. That's, that's the name of his biography. Dude, dude I think <laughs> even, advantage of carnies. even Andy, who just fetishizes the yeah. uh, carny life, would say, no problems there. By the way, the most important point of this story is Geek Shock prices have not changed. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've added tiers, but they're optional. Yeah. Yeah. You still get this wonderful show for free, but if you'd like the DLC, well, <laughs> if that's you want be that, Andy's Milkshake Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s beat em up video game Streets of Rage. Oh, God. Will make its way to the big screen via Lionsgate. Yeah. Why? John Wick scribe Derek Kolstad has huh? penned the feature adaptation and is producing. Uh, Sega put out three Streets of Rage video games in the 90s, all of which were two player cooperatives. The first game had players controlling three former police officers who take to the streets to fight their way against the crime syndicate run by the mysterious Mr. X. If they released that game now, they'd just be police officers. <laughs> wow. Ferguson, the game. In April 2020, the fourth game was released by Lizard Cube, uh, Guard Crush Games, and Dot Emu, and has since received very positive reviews. So for you Streets of Rage fans who played that and said, you know what? This is narratively strong enough to be a movie. It's coming. <laughs> there you go. Colstad has not yet hit the point of... He, he isn't bringing something to the action genre. Uh, the, the, those guys were revolutionary with John Wick. Yeah. Uh, very lush. They, they, create, they create a world, world building. They create something out of nothing. Right. So right now, right now, I'm on board with this just because of that name. 
I get it. That's that is the saving grace. That's a lot to hang on that movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Streets of Rage. There you oh, go. You could literally drop any story onto that. It, yeah, there's nothing Dude, there. It's going to be. Have you watched John Wick? It's yeah, going yes. to be the presentation. It's not. Yeah, it's not about story. It's about style. It's going yeah. to be. It's. It will be an amazing looking movie. That'll be the turning point for for those guys when they put out one where you come out of it just going, eh, you know. Colstad, the new John Woo. Yeah. yeah. They're just doing wonderful stuff. So, go. I don't know, man. I'm always I'm always nervous about movies based on really well, sure. thin video games. Well, sure. I but mean, look at Battleship. Well, dude. I'd rather not. Yeah. A Colstad Strahelski Battleship, that movie would have been the bomb. I would pay $69.99 for that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. AMC Networks, Free League Publishing, and Genuine Entertainment have partnered together to release a new tabletop RPG for the Walking Dead universe. Oh my god, just let it fucking die. That's what they say every episode, I know. but you know, they keep shambling. The game will debut on Kickstarter, Spring 2023, that will give you the core rulebook, rule the starter set, and other premium accessories and limited run exclusives before its Fall 2023 retail release. The game will put a new spin on the Year Zero engine. Ooh. The game is about oh. is more about the uh, human choices you make in the face of the apocalypse and how you decide to survive than it is about killing walkers, although there's plenty of that. You can choose to spend a ton of time fortifying your strongholds and figuring out the details of surviving, or you can put that in the background and focus on the human drama. The goal is to make each game session feel like an episode of The Walking Dead. And if you're not sold on it, though, you can check out the limited live play series that will be released. The actual play will feature original events pulled from the series' writer's room, as it follows new characters who intersect with core story elements and cross paths with a familiar face or two. I was going to say, they need to have original actors uh, doing this live play. That would be interesting, I yeah. gotta admit. Um, been a lot of uh, zombie RPGs in the past. What? A lot. Huh? Uh, in fact, I'm not even sure this is the first Walking Dead one. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, here it is, a brand new Walking Dead universe RPG just in time for all the spinoff shows. You want to play it? I'd try it. I do like me a zombie RPG. I've spoken before about uh, uh, All Flesh Must Be Eaten. Because, but that one was modular. You could make the zombies however you want. You could make the origin however you want. Um, you could make normal characters, you can make yourselves, you can make superhero type characters. So that one just kind of throws everything at the wall. I'm wondering what the system is on this, because the system makes it breaks on our children. I hate discussions of RPGs, and re I just went through this this weekend, or reviews of tabletop RPGs that don't mention the system. That irritates the shit out of me, because when I look through a book at a, at a store... First thing I do is hit, okay, how's this system work? Second thing I'll hit is character creation, you know? And it's just like when you get these reviews where they don't even mention the fucking mechanics. Story, I, creation, system. I want to know all that too. Mm -hmm. Now, but if I'm is, playing like a, I don't know, I'll pull something out of my ass, like Doctor Who, the, the role-playing game. Okay, fine. Give me the story. I Even though I know the story, I still want to know about it a little bit because how does how would my character and a group of characters that are not the Doctor fit into the world, mm. and then, you know, obviously how you create them. But story, I wouldn't discount story. I, I, I myself don't care about story. So, if, if, the, 
if the system sounds interesting enough, I'll give it a shot. Are you familiar with the Year Zero engine? Mm-mm. Okay. That's, that's, it sounds like an established engine. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I hate when they do that, too. It's based on the Flumflaha engine. It's like, would you just give me, just just talk of something. The, the, Are you rolling two sixes? D6s? Is it a D20? Are you using playing cards? Are we talking Rollmaster here, or what are we talking about? Yeah, really. It's just, uh, all right. Definitely Rollmaster. Oh, no. Or one of those systems where it's all, like, card-based and not dice. I don't like those. How about yeah. the Dread, the Jenga-based one? That's totally different. That's different. But, that, and, but and, that would really work for a Walking Dead kind oh, of thing. Oh, dude. I mean, Kinda, that, yeah. that Dread totally would work, period. If right they could there. do a Jenga-based system, they can do a Kerplunk-based system. I can get behind yeah, that. Sh- shoots and ladder RPG Mousetrap system. Mousetrap-based Mouse system. Candyland-based system. From just checking the overview of the Year Zero engine, it's a number of six-sided dice. Mm. Mm. Dice pool, six-siders. Um, See? West End Games. Yeah, West End Games original Star Wars, which I like. Their D six. Uh, yeah, yeah, before they turned to D twenty, I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they had more skills like capital ship navigation, right? And negotiation, where the D twenty system was all beat 'em up skills. So you were dependent on the role playing ability of your of your players, which cannot always be dependent upon. Three six sided die. That's it. Uh huh. Okay, so target number is probably like an eleven, and you're going with a bell curve. Yeah. Sounds right. That that uh, that was like that's the functional base of like champions. Yeah. Although champions beyond that is is just sure logarithmically more complicated. Don't <laughs> learn champions from Deb and Barry. <laughs> I would never teach that shit. <laughs> what was Palladium Games? That's the Rifts. I they can't were, remember. They were D twenty because Rifts right. was originally uh, just a riff on D and D, and it just started spiraling way way crazy and then they started introducing concepts like mega damage and stuff like that which oh, yeah. i like sp- that i like that idea i love the world of riffs i have so many next to gurps riffs is probably the game that i have the most supplements to that i've never played and actually actually have very Just little interest them. in playing i love them the riffs supplements were great oh, archie come on mm-hmm. all that shit was great a, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that's not just the turtles. It's apparently like a post-apocalyptic. It's really? a whole yeah. post-apocalyptic yeah, uh, world thing. So it, it it was interesting beyond the turtles. Where do you get pizza? The post-apocalyptic yeah. world. Yeah, you make it yourself. So. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just don't give a shit about. The reboot to John Carpenter's sci-fi classic Escape from New York has reportedly found its new directing team. Matt Bettinelli Open. <laughs> the fuck? Ow! Can you please try to say that again? And, that, and that's me writing it out phonetically. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and Tyler Gillett and Chad Villiers, also known under their brand name banner as Radio Silence, have been hired to helm Escape from New York revival film that's been brewing at 20th Century Studios with original director John Carpenter on board as an executive producer. 
It's the first bit of recent news surrounding the upcoming reboot progress since 20th Century revealed the current effort all the way back in 2019. Uh, Radio Silence directed Scream 5, and they've since reportedly wrapped production on the incoming direct sequel. Uh, the full directing trio, meanwhile, has built out a paranormal and horror film resume that includes the VHS series, as well as Devil's Due, Southbound, and Ready or Not. Uh, made for only $6 million, the first Escape movie cleared more than $25 million at the global box office, spawning Snake's return in the 1996 sequel, Escape from L.A. Ugh, Straight that's... trash. Yeah. So, yeah they, uh, they went crazy with uh, L.A. So, yeah, yeah, is the world ready for a new Escape from New York? <clears throat> I'd say it's time. I, I guess so. I mean, apocalyptic, dystopian, post-apocalyptic, those are fun genres. And uh, uh, that world in that regard is fun. I... I I, I still remember when Escape came out because I was just, I grew up, you know, the computer wore tennis shoes and those Kurt Russell Disney movies. So it was sort of like, Kurt Russell? I, hmm. What? But, you know, he sold it and, and he is would, Snake. That, to me, that's going to be the yeah. major thing about this. Are they doing Snake again? Are they doing someone else? Who are they going to get to be Snake? Please not The Rock. Please not The Rock. They, <laughs> no. But they need someone no, they're with get a kid. Le- level of charisma. Yeah, they're so, going to get right. a kid. It's going to be someone uh, 20-ish, late 20s probably. Snake Plissken? Because that character's got to carry the movie. That's yeah. Snake. Right. Plissken that movie has is more Snake gravitas Plissken. than some 20-year-old nobody kid. I, you know what, dude? They I can't said do this, a Nathan Drake. Like dude, I said the same space. fucking thing about Chris Evans as Captain America, and he fucking... Nailed it to yeah. the goddamn wall. He did, but he didn't. He didn't look like a Tom Holland, you know. Where Tom Holland was Nathan Drake. It, it's, well, I'm, you can't I'm, do the the. Why is he? Why is he laying Nathan Drake on know, my on my Escape reboot? Yeah. I'm saying I like the idea. I'm saying I don't <laughs> like the idea of a of a kid playing right. playing well, this kid. I, yeah. I, when I say kid, dude, I'm in my fifties. You, you know, you're all children. <laughs> Get right off here. my lawn. <laughs> I gotta so. see Escape from New York. You haven't? You, what? Seriously? Of all people, I, you seriously I, I, have never I've seen, seen it. I've seen a lot of Carpenter movies. Most of Carpenter Jesus movies. Jesus fucking Christ! You still, of all people. All right. Damn it. Okay. This I, is. I went to see him in concert, and he played the theme for. I know. God damn it! But I still have never. Barry, seen we've got to have an, intra- an entrapment night <laughs> where we pull him in and we just watch movies all weekend long, and he can't leave. <laughs> He is stuck. An intervention, a geek yeah. intervention. Now you can normally sit through about three movies before you 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 got to leave. So what are the three? Clearly this one. Yes. What else hasn't he seen that we hate him for? Oh Jesus! This list is. You can't remember. Oh my god. That's okay. That's okay. Because Jeff, you, don't you know? You know what? We have you know, an army out there that will remember oh Todd. Oh, God, damn it, now hard. you have to go through 665 episodes and find the movies that Todd that's right. Seen. You guys, you guys out there, you uh, shock monkeys, write us in. And a few of those got knocked out. I finally saw Enemy Mine. Right? Mm-hmm. I finally saw Last Starfighter. So they get knocked out. <clears throat> they do occasionally, slowly. But speed then, of natural turn, erosion. Yeah. Then you turn around, Escape from New York. I haven't seen <laughs> Jesus H. Okay, you know, going back to what you said, Kirsten, about mm. finding somebody that's got uh, the same charisma yeah. as as uh, Kurt Russell. Russell. Thank you. I always forget in that in in Escape from New York, he has very few lines. Yeah, so he's carrying that film pretty much silently. Mm. It's all 
action and the occasional grunt and then dropping a line or two. So you got to find somebody that's going to be able to do that yeah. without a whole lot of dialogue. Mm. And that's not always easy. No, that's The Rock. <laughs> I just said yeah. that to annoy They Barry. need to find an Isaac Hayes, and they need to find oh, an Ernest Borgnine. Isaac Hayes, yes. And they better not cast Josh Gad as Ernest <laughs> Borgnine's character. You know they're going to now because you said that. You put that in his eye. Who's, who's the universe now? Who's going to be the Adrian Barbeau? Uh, I don't know. Fran Dreschner. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. I don't know that part. So. I hate you. Wow. I hate everything about you. Yeah, really. I'm getting there. Doug, to his credit, that movie's a it's it's dark. It's it's quiet and weird. It's it's a little hard to watch sometimes. Mm. It's that gritty. I just never. I, it's not like I tried to watch it and couldn't. I just haven't watched. It. The cinematography reminds me of the Warriors. If you subject yeah. me, Ooh, I like the Warriors. Yeah, it's the just Warriors gritty. It's you, just it's John Carpenter. It's yeah. like it's and early. it's that Torgo early and Carpenter. early Carpenter. I mean, but but Torgo and Carpenter go together. It's, I know. That's what I'm surprised. That's the one Carpenter film that surprised me he hasn't seen. It's kind of like but that thing with the Stephen King. There's some Stephen King books I haven't read uh-huh. because one day Stephen King won't be here and I'll still have that Stephen King book to read. That's a whole... You're talking like a shitload of King books, though. You're not talking like a shitload of Carpenter and that's films like, here. Exactly. So Carpenter I still have one... That's a foundation. I still have one classic Carpenter film I've never seen that's in my back uh, pocket that when I've, uh, I can finally say... You know what? It's time. It's when time you have your Twilight watch. Zone moment, ah, uh, finally yeah. enough time. So I know you. And then you're gonna break the fucking VCR yeah. and be like, no, <laughs> no, there was finally enough time. <laughs> what other Carpenter films haven't you seen? You, you, Wait a minute, you, what? There are more. I think that's the only one. Have you seen the I'm, thing? Oh, you know what? There is one other one. Prince of Darkness. There is still one other I have not seen. What? The uh, Fog. That is uh, Memoirs of Invisible Man. I've not seen that one. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, that's, fuck you! That's fuck not- you for not being my carpenter bullshit. Don't don't give me your false indignation. <laughs> Take that shit and wow. throw it out. You you set him up for that, didn't you? You fucking punk. Wow, man. Everyone forgets that's a carpenter movie. God, yeah. Well, yeah. I I always forget it's a carpenter. You know what? Movie I haven't well. seen Starman either, so I, that's I guess another one that I can keep in my back How pocket. How have you not seen Starman? <laughs> that actually doesn't surprise me. But you, one, but you know what? I watched every episode of the Starman TV show. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't count. It Robert was longer. Hayes. It was longer. <sighs> it was longer. It was sixty nine ninety nine. It was definitely long. Nice. <laughs> Weekend geek. Finally. Nice. <laughs> A sequel to Sony Pictures of Jason Reitman's 2021 Ghostbusters Afterlife is on its way, with original cast returning under new directorial leadership from Gil Keenan. Uh, Keenan's previous directorial efforts include the animated feature Monster House, for which he was Oscar-nominated, City of Ember, 2015's Poltergeist remake, and most recently, A Boy Called Christmas. Uh, released in 2021, Ghostbusters Afterlife takes place 37 years after the event of the original Ghostbusters. Follows Dr. Egon Spengler's grandchildren as they investigate paranormal events in the small Oklahoman town with the help of their teacher, Mr. Gruberson. Uh, Keenan and Reitman co-wrote Afterlife, which went on to earn $200 million worldwide in the thick of the pandemic. Uh, little is known of the sequel's plot, but Reitman confirmed that the film will bring the franchise back to Manhattan. The Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel set to begin production in early 2023 with a planned release date of December 20th, 2023. Mm. Cool. All right. I'm happy about that. I enjoyed that last film. Uh, You know what? 
I hate to say it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> but but you know what? The reason being is I wasn't I wasn't going to go to the theater, and I haven't seen it go onto a streaming service yet. Uh, it is streaming now. Um, oh shit! Well I, well, I know it's. I believe it's on you Peacock. Stepped into butter now. Uh, well, here's the thing: is that. Stop trying to make the butter a thing. No, it's a thing. It's yeah. not a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> Stepped in the margarine. It's, uh, oh, I don't know if that works. <laughs> I can't believe you stepped in the margarine. <laughs> wow. Amazon and Sony are joining forces for several television products inspired by the world of Spider-Man. Sony owns the screen rights to this particular corner of the Marvel Universe, which encompasses over 900 characters. First up... Silk, Spider Society. Uh, Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang is set to showrun and will also executive produce with Lord Miller and longtime Spidey producer Amy Pascal. Silk, Spider Society is slated to premiere, dom- <laughs> slated to premiere <laughs> domestically on the linear channel of MGM+. Plus. Linear channel? That's the, that's the real channels. That's the, the cable actual channel. Is, you that, turn the, a number. is that the turn? That's a numbered channel. Wow. Uh, formerly Epics. That's what uh, oh, Epics, Epics was. Now yes. it's MGM Plus. Yep. And globally on Prime Video. Uh, Silk Spider Society will center around Cindy Moon, a Korean-American woman who finds herself gifted with arachnoid abilities after sustaining a bite from the same radioactive spider that bit Peter Parker. Wait a minute. I thought he smashed that. No? Uh, I don't think that's I mean canon. the spider, yeah. not, not Cindy Moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imprisoned for years on end, Cindy finally escapes. Imprisoned? Imprisoned. I'm sorry, imprisoned? Imprisoned for years on end, Cindy finally escapes captivity and sets out to find her family, all while cultivating the alter ego known as Silk. Given the show's general synopsis, sounds identical to the hero's comic book origin story, odds are good that we finally get to see the Inheritors. That's a group of vampiric beings who hunt down and suck life force out of spider people oh. across the multiverse right, okay. uh, brought to the world of live action. Uh, live action take on Cindy Moon has been in development for a little over two years. So it's coming together with the Amazon television project. What? But no, no, you're not saying no. you got that face, Barry. No. You got that face like making you ate s- bad cheese. I'm making a sour face on this because it's clearly Sony's attempt to just milk the that property for all it's worth which you know hey great i would too if i were them but ugh, amazon's been on a kick lately they've recently signed a agreement with dc warner so that all new animated dc projects won't just go to hbo max but will also go on to amazon prime there you go uh they are also yeah. for the first time beating nice. netflix in subscribers whoa hmm. Whoa. So Amazon's pushing and pushing hard. Yeah, well, doing, it and get, doing it well. You also get free shipping with that. You know, Netflix doesn't ship me anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. They Burn. ship you entertainment into your eyeballs. <laughs> nah, I want stuff. Nah. They, well, sh- they ship you and Andy. About five episodes into Wednesday, and I'm having a glorious time with it. There Same. you go. Yeah, Same. So much fun. Well, do you I feel? Like it. Do you feel it's oversold? Like one of our uh, shock monkeys has uh, said. Nope, mm. not at all. No, I think it is spot on. It is a Tim Burton expulsion of joy. I normally take Tim Burton kind of. Yeah, eh, I just like know. Tim Burton as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I enjoy this, which I think says something. He, he, I think he's toned down his Tim Burton. Into something that I can enjoy. 
It's like, dial it back a little, Tim. There we go. Now we're good. Well, and the uh, actress that plays Wednesday is 100% charming, and you can't take your eyeballs off the screen when she's on it. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. When does Johnny Depp show up? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point there. <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten to the point uh, in the the prom, the dance? Yes, yes. That's really that's a good scene. <laughs> it's an expulsion so of joy. <clears throat> she said she actually researched uh, YouTube videos of goth dancers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They were just great. The producers of the 2022 horror hit Smile have set their next project, a Smile Company, Temple Hill Entertainment, and distributor Protagonist Pictures. It's called Frown. They've teamed up. <laughs> For Clown in a Cornfield. Oh, my God. What? There's the frown. Uh, an adaptation of Adam Cesare's awarding, award-winning slasher novel of the same name, uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil filmmaker Eli Craig, is okay. set, to, all right, all right, all right. set okay. to direct the project from okay, script I'm on, I'm by, now. by Carter Blanchard, yeah. who did Steelheart, <laughs> adapting uh, Cesare's novel. Released in 2020, Clown in the Cornfield follows Quinn Maybrook, newly arrived from Philadelphia to the sleepy Midwestern town of Kettle Springs, Missouri. Built around the local corn syrup factory. Say it right. Misery. Uh, and that the truth. Missouri. Ke- Missouri. Uh, misery. Kettle I Springs unofficial. Kettle Springs. misery. Oh, my God. You're not getting the joke? You no. stupid fuck. I get the joke. I just don't find it funny. Oh! This coming from him? No. Oh, I got burned. Anyone got some? <laughs> you need some butter for your burn? It's it's. Okay. Put your foot in it. Wait, are you wearing two, socks? Two, two, two Midwest <laughs> jokes that people that live in those states are over. Number one, Uh-oh. M- people from uh, the rest of the country calling Missouri, Missouri. You're getting schooled. People that lived in Kansas... Getting told, well, you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Oh, shit. Those are both ones that I absolutely hate having lived in both states. So Listen, Jeff, if a nuke went off in the Midwest, I wouldn't yeah. care. I'm sure you wouldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that was... Uh... They had some fire underneath yeah, there. That was uh, that was some heat. Did someone touch you inappropriately right? in Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who are you talking to, Jeff or Matt? Uh, me. Well, now it's for the room. <laughs> for the room. I just want to throw this out there. <laughs> Did you get ninety sixth in Kansas? <laughs> six nine six. Nice. <laughs> ish. Nice ish. Nice but you're in the Midwest, so they'd fuck it up. So it'd be 699 or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In the cornfield. In the cornfield. You know why the uh you know why the cowboys have their names on the backs of their belts? Why is that? So they can get some appreciation when they're getting cornholed by the truckers. <laughs> yeah, you haven't heard that one, have you? He's shaking his head, folks. He's shaking his head. The, the rodeo's in town in Vegas right now. Oh, is it? Oh, oh. Well, Barry's got a, his favorite cowboy joke. Oh, okay. What's the difference between cowboy hats and tampons? Ooh. Cowboy hats are for assholes. That's your favorite cowboy joke? Yes. Okay. I like. I used to like you to tell that joke. You put your foot in the butter. I used to like to tell that joke at Gillies. <laughs> Was it like a cowboy bar? Yes, it was. Oh, yes, it was. Ugh. Not for real cowboys. What do you mean used to be? It's still around. Yeah, the one of. in the frontier. We used to go there for rodeo yeah. night. I know, but it's still in, around. Or in, uh, with the, the mud wrestling? Yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss that shit. Nobody told me that they talked about line dancing at Gillies. Nobody talked about mud wrestling. 
the fuck would I go for line dancing? I. You Although were probably on drugs then, so I don't know. It's fun to visualize, <laughs> though, isn't it? <laughs> Barry just like silent agrees. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah, like, yeah. I could mm-hmm. come on. I could see. I could see twenty years ago Barry saying, "Hey, man, let's get." Let's get high and go to Gillies. <laughs> there he is, hopped up on goofballs, just line just, dancing just, with the rest of them. Just, just, or, or not. Or just sitting in the corner watching everybody line dancing and being like, ah. <laughs> I've never been that high. <laughs> Allegedly. Never been as high as liking line dancing. Oh, but you did like uh, Phantom Menace. You were that high. Whoa. That's pretty high. <laughs> No, okay. I, w- I will confess to this. Oh boy. Um, the the here we go. The first time that I that I ever had shrooms, um, I was at a friend's house and I'm sitting there in the kitchen and I'm and I'm making all the food for everyone as as I normally do. Um, and oh, Christ, really, really, you're stopping everything yeah, to no, take a picture. Why you are you can't. stopping talking? Because Kirsten's an asshole. <laughs> Me? Yes, you. You're an asshole. You can't talk Just, and pose at the same time. I totally can. Um, and so I'm, and so I'm making all this food, and I'm humming along to this song, and I'm just enjoying life, right? Because I'm fucking had mushrooms, which apparently are really good for cluster headaches. And uh, I realize what song I'm jamming out to when the guy says, oh, "I was sitting on a turnip truck." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I was so high, I was enjoying country music. Wow. So I, Stop doing mushrooms. That's uh, that's your first sign right there. Yeah. Ooh. But it does explain country music. It, yeah, it does. Where was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kettle Clown in the cornfield. Built around the local corn syrup factory, Kettle Springs' unofficial mascot is Frendo the Clown, the face of the now-defunct corn syrup brand whose creepy image still has a major presence in town celebrations. As she tries to settle into her new home and make some new friends, Quinn finds that Frendo is much more than a strange, outdated mascot. Menacing figures are appearing in Kettle Springs wearing clown masks and ready to kill. Wait, this came out in 2016? This came out in 2020. No, I know, but that's the, the clown. Oh, I guess. Yeah, because you're. Yeah, I got, gotcha. Always got to get political. Jesus, Matt. No, it wasn't. It was the 2016 clown. The killer clown craze. They go on the ring cameras and stand in the middle of the street, look at cars and chase cars. And I thought you were talking about the 2016 film Clown. No. <laughs> that was a horror movie where a dude like becomes a clown. Wow. So there's this Icelandic monster called Cloyne or whatever. and it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Jesus yeah. Christ. 2016 was definitely the year for clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and that was getting political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going political with that. It was actually a thing. Yeah, I remember that phenomenon. Clown in a Cornfield won the Bram Stoker Award for Best Young Adult Novel in 2020 after debuting to critical critical acclaim. It's that time. Critical acclaim. Critical acclaim. A sequel, Clown in a Cornfield 2, Friendo Lives, landed in bookstores over the summer, continuing the saga of Quinn and the creepy clown who haunts the lives of her friends and loved ones. And according to Deadline, a third installment in the book series is now on its way. I'm very excited about this. Adam Caesar is one of my favorite author finds of the last 20 years. Uh, I, I brought this uh, story up on the show before, but I'll bring it back up why it is so important. Because uh, KillerCon here in Las Vegas, I think it was probably about 2010, 2011, um, was Adam Caesar's first con that he'd ever attended to sell his book. 
and he had just published his very first novel, and the first person he sold his very first book to was me. Oh, wow. So now to see him have this massive success with this book, because the book did gangbusters, and so great to even see a movie option that's truly moving forward, and so I just wish him all the success in the world. He's written many, many books, really hardcore, gory horror stuff. If you like the really gory horror, he's your man. But he's uh, also branched and gotten a little uh, easier going with this one, but it's still a really good story. And he's, he's also working on that that uh, collaboration with Mayberry, right? Kagan the Clown? Kagan the Clown, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's Lovecraftian circus stories. Yeah. It really kind of works. The elephant has 40 ears. Mm. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I like the I name like, of the clown, like Frendo. Oh, thank you. Frendo is, a, is great, especially when you think of him as like a, a Wonder Bread kind of mascot, you know? Like a, a bozo type of... Yeah, but on a, a packaging a packaging mascot. Ah, like State Puffin I just think it's I just think it's really a creepy name for cl- Frendo. Frendo. What would your clown name be? Uh, ooh, oh, God. I, that's a good question for everybody. Wouldn't mine it still... Would be, mine would be Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, people. I'm Barry the Clown. I hate everything. And it's just Matt with clown white painted over his beard, like a overdone Caesar Romero. <laughs> I think it'd be Goturg. Goturg the clown. Goturd. Goturg. Goturd. Yeah, I think Goturd. I like Goturd. Goturd. I accept Goturd. We did lose a few people this week. Bob McGrath, one of the original human cast members of Sesame Street. He was 90 years old. McGrath began his career as a singer. Uh, through which he built a touring career that took him around the world, brought him significant following in Japan. Uh, McGrath joined Sesame Street as Bob Johnson, the neighborhood's local music teacher, and promptly became the show's most memorable presences. Uh, McGrath became the voice of many of the series' most memorable songs, including Sing, People in Your Neighborhood, and more. He retired from Sesame Street in 2017 after more than 450 episodes but remained a part of the extended Sesame Street family, appearing at the 50th anniversary special in 2019. You got more uh, episodes. Yeah, I know. Six, 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 six. <laughs> Small fry, that guy. We're yeah. better than Sesame Street. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also, UNLV professor Clarence Gilliard Jr., an actor known for prominent roles in classic 80 films like Top Gun, uh, The Karate Kid Part Two, and Die Hard, has died at the age of 66. He's Probably best known for pay, playing Theo, the cocky computer hacker in Hans Gruber's squad of mercenaries in the first Die Hard film. So uh, we honor them both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was surprised when I read that. I mean, that he was a professor at UNLV because yeah. I don't remember that ever being. I never knew. I never heard. Promoted anywhere. But yeah. apparently he was a much beloved uh Instructor at the university, all the theater students loved him. Um, yeah, my UNLV yeah. theater contacts on Facebook. Yeah, that that's how I found out about it. That's that's where all the conversation was. Yeah, everybody that I know that went to uh, UNLV theater said the same thing, and I just like out of nowhere, it's like, oh, I didn't realize this, blah blah blah, and I'm like, yeah, how, do, how have I lived out here for 22 yeah. years and not known that he's a professor there? That's Crazy, but right. the fact that apparently he was a, a you know not just beloved but a very good uh, you know professor there. I can't you know can't fault him for you know moving to teaching from from acting. Yeah, because I mean he had uh, I don't remember what year it was. There was a it was a stupid diehard car battery commercial. He 
reprised that role <laughs> with with nice. um uh god damn it my brain just stopped working uh but he repli- reprised the diehard role in that with um Bruce Willis. Jesus, my brain. He also brain had an ex- extending starring role in Matlock. Yeah. He was in yeah. that for a long yeah. time. And oh, after yeah. that, he uh, was in Walker. Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's the other I thing only, I would I only know. vaguely remember that. My my grandmother loved Walker, Texas Ranger for some reason. Most I, grandmothers do. <laughs> I could not stand that show. Most grandsons don't. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go read in the other room while you watch your TV. No. Well, well, watch your stories. I love that he was beloved. And, yeah. You know, theater teachers, I mean, uh, good teachers are are important. Having having played games. There it is. There it is. Bring it on back. Bring it on back. <laughs> I, you need, don't eat a little shit. <laughs> eat all the shit. <laughs> Just all of it. Oh, oh I hope. I, I think your clown name is Teach. <laughs> I'm Teach the Clown. Okay, first thing you do is win the game. Yay! <laughs> now he's, he's a silent clown with a frown on. Oh, yeah. He just oh. opens the box and goes... Wow, he just frowned. That's like, wow. It works. <laughs> Look at that. There it is right there. Oh, He's actively phone? plotting your demise right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Teach. I'm actively the plotting your demise. <laughs> My clown name's going to be Happy Happy Fun Guy. Just because. Yeah. No, no, it's next. Teach. No, it teach is better. Clown. Teach is much better. Uh, Mary, I'm really interested in your take on this one after just getting it. The board game Terraforming Mars is being set up for a feature film adaptation from Cobalt Knight, which optioned the rights to the game. The game sees the players compete to use resources and innovative technology to make the Red Planet inhabitable. They're looking to explore the game's themes in the story, which include existential tropes like class struggle, colonialism, and ecological collapse. Cobalt Knight was founded by video game executive Christopher Kaminsky, who was a part of Sonic the Hedgehog, and Christopher Knox, who was part of the real world. And it was founded to develop a slate of TV and film projects based on video games, board games, manga, comic books, novels, and short stories. Knox said in a statement, In many ways, the game exhibits strong parallels to the Age of Discovery when European superpowers were sailing around the globe trying to lay claim to everything they touched. This makes it the perfect choice for adaptation using a distinct and hyper-realistic setting to revisit a familiar narrative conflict, unquote. It's going to be what? A, a film? Film. Regardless of whether or not... In fact, you know what? It's different that it's going to be a film because it would be worse if it were a TV show. But it's a board game. It is. Man. There's no There's narrative no, in that no, game. no narrative whatsoever. You could literally <laughs> throw any story onto And They're on Mars. But well, there you go. But they're terraforming it. <clears throat> yeah. That's the thing. How much you and want to... The ghosts of Mars already did this. But, but it's warring corporations terraforming. How much... How, how much? Yeah. How much do you want to bet that there was a terraforming Mars type script out there? Not based on the board game, just about terraforming Mars. And someone's like, nah, that'll never sell. Well, there's a board game. <gasps> Connected IP. <laughs> yeah, exactly Buy that. that. There's no story. Don't tell me about warring corporations because they're not really warring. That you know, there's financial not, warring. They, uh. they probably just—they <laughs> probably Aww. just bought the rights because it was cheaper than trying to find a different name for their terraforming project 
movie. They, they just needed to and, tie something to it. Yeah. No, probably. I, th- I think. I think if. Well, we got an established IP connected to this. Sold. Write him a check. Yeah. That. <laughs> Call Teach the Clown. And uh, Barry, if you do want to try the physical version before you buy it, I do own it. If you want to borrow it. The actual Terraforming Mars board game. Well, I already bought the video game. Right, but if you want to play the actual physical game, the physical video game version, <laughs> if you want to borrow that... No, you got to bring it over. We're going to play it. Oh, even and you're going to teach me... Oh, no. The, I, the, oh, no yeah. You're going to teach you're me, gonna teach yeah. me the, board, the board game. <laughs> <laughs> Make Kirsten teach you. No. 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 <laughs> I'm not... I'm No. Let's no. do some red light, green light. Yes. Oh, boy. Green light, all of them. Every one of them. Red light, Kirsten. I now call this meeting of done right productions to order. We have four more pitches. Why do I still work for this company? And one or more of them may be fake. You can green light only one of them, but you have to green light one. And the names are No Po Fo. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's starting out strong. Ender's Game, Goosebumps, and God of War. What? Hmm. I'll, I'll wait for it. <laughs> Just wait for it. Sometimes Tor goes too obvious. At least two of those are already <laughs> movies. Yeah, really. But they're not TV shows. Oh. So we'll start with the first one. No Pofo. <laughs> Filmmakers David Zucker and Pat Proft, who are known for their work on the comedian comedies Airplane and the Naked Gun films, are set to executive produce a new Nordic noir comedy spoof series called No Pofo. The anthology series is being produced Nordic. by Ickes Creative Studio. Maybe I said that right. A recently <laughs> launched Finnish company. Oh, Finnish. Uh, BBC Studios Nordics IA co-producing. Billed as a Nordic noir meets police squad. The 10-part series follows three elite agents from the Nordic police force, No Pofo, ah. who are tasked with solving the sort of murders that Nordic psychopaths do so well. Oh, yeah. they crazy. Each half-hour episode is set in a different Nordic country and features a different cast of supporting characters, including a serial killer who only murders bad heavy metal bands, an Instagram obsessive who creates ice sculptures out of victims. The show is created and being written... (laughs) Ice sculptures? Being written by stand-up comedians and screenwriters Mika Etravara and... uh, Riku Siokas, along with screenwriter Heike Sreja. I don't that, want... That, I bet that's absolutely perfect I don't want Kingvold to ever complain about me again. <laughs> the creative team behind the show also includes Aika Hainian <laughs> and Aika Rakhonen. So what do you, you think of No Pofo? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I like it. Sure. <laughs> Is it going to get canceled after two seasons? Like the freaking before before was canceled. Before season wasn't even a complete full first season. No, no, they had, they had two. They had uh, two seasons of the Befarners. Oh, I thought you were going to say was... uh, Police Squad. Because <laughs> <laughs> but you see him on. He referenced <laughs> Police Squad. I, at the I beginning. heard. I heard. Bef- okay. <laughs> 
Barry's should... got nothing. He's no. Well, well, one. Okay, it doesn't look like the performance was canceled. I just have not seen any any news, and I'm always worried about foreign TV shows because I, I, the BBC used to just cancel shit on me that I was I liked. So mm, I don't know. But this sounds goofy. Well, it is. You think Zucker and Croft? <laughs> I, I, I silly is what they do. Yeah. And the Nordics, they're good for Sealy. Lots of stepping yeah. in the butter. Yeah. Very Sealy. Yeah. Posturepedic. Oh yeah. I don't I don't feel a green light coming that way. <laughs> no. Next up, Apple Plus is developing a series based on the Endless Game series of novels. Noreen Schenka, who did The Expanse and Almost Human, is on board as producer and showrunner alongside Matt Wolpert. Card's novel follows the life of Ender Wigan as he learns to fight the Formix, an alien race that almost killed off all humans when they attacked years ago. Wigan learns the art of space war aboard a military space station built to help train young people to fight the cosmic invaders. Uh, Schenka and Wolpert recently produced For All Mankind for Apple+. Plus. So you kind of already know in this game. What do you think of that as a TV show? Uh, it works considering the sequel novels, uh, especially like leaning into uh, Xenogenesis. It uh, that arc, the Speaker of the Dead, all that. Yes, I think that's actually um, that's actually good for good for TV. And if and was it as good as the as, the, as Ender's Game, the first book, though? Uh, so I've heard it argued better. Really? Yeah. So. I've heard it both ways. I'm just I'm, I'm legit asking. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know either. And it says here it's based on the series of novels, so not just the first. Right, and also uh, the Expanse showrunner. I think that's a, yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, and, that and, and all mankind. Yeah, all mankind. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, I mean, you know. if they do like the first book as the first season, that'd be nice. I would I would expect that that. That would be the approach. I would be interested to see his sister's side of the story, which you don't get to see really in Ender's Game. In the movie, movie. or the book? Movie. No, well, I'm I'm not even looking at the. I'm not even considering the movie. So yeah, I and sister. I think that they're definitely going to include that character. Oh yeah, all that was fascinating. Yeah, so they just just skip right over that in the movie. Yeah. <clears throat> What, Time constraints. That's why. Well, yeah, that's why TV is a good uh, option here. Yeah, movie, movie was a nice nugget of Ender's Game, but I, I definitely the, thought it needed more time. It was so. the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but aren't all movies really? Hmm. Pretty much. Next up, Disney Plus has placed an order for a brand new Goosebumps television series based on the best-selling young adult horror novels penned by R.L. Stein. This is the second Stein-inspired project to land at the streaming service after the Just Beyond anthology from showrunner Seth Graham Smith foregoing the anthology format of the original Goosebumps TV show that aired in the 1990s. The reboot will tell a serialized story focused on a group of five high schoolers who unwittingly unleash malevolent supernatural forces of their town. The youngsters must rise above their differences in order to save the day, but all victories come at a cost as the teens uncover their parents' dark secrets. Uh, Rob Letterman, who did Monsters vs. Aliens and Detective Pikachu, is on board as a writer and executive producer alongside Nicholas Stoller, who did Forgetting Sarah Marshall and The Muppets. Letterman will also direct the first episode. Goosebumps, does it give you them? <laughs> Not particularly. No, no. no. I like the I like the IP. I think there's there's stuff there. But I think that but, we're at least at this table a little little old. 
Yeah. For that to really that hit. pitch doesn't uh, yeah. excite me. Yeah. We didn't grow up reading the novels. Mm. I guess imagine if we did, we'd be all excited. Maybe. It has a but big well, following. because it, I mean, yeah, but this pitch doesn't sound like anything drawn from the novels, really. I mean, was the Goosebumps novels about high schoolers? Were they connected? Finding novels? their parents' was series? Like I don't think so. I don't know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't connected. Yeah, it was just yeah, like one-off stories. Mm. Yep. So yeah. there were some of them were good. I remember oh, sure. some of them. But, sure. Yeah. yeah. Finally, well, Stein was the uh, rolling before rolling was, essentially. Finally, God of War. Amazon is considering a God of War television adaptation co-produced by Sony Pictures Television, which already works with Prime Video on The Boys and PlayStation Productions. The show, which would be centered around a brutal demigod warrior in ancient Greece capable of slaughtering all-powerful deities, is being developed by three Amazon veterans. Expanse co-creators Mark Fergus and Hawk, Hawk Osby, Wheel of Time showrunner Rafi Judkins. Uh, Judkins wrote, co-wrote the screenplay for the recent big-screen take on The Uncharted, starring uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. At this time, no deals been reached with Amazon. The God of War franchise first began in 2005 and now comprises seven titles for the PlayStation console. What do you think of God of War, the TV show for God for uh, Amazon, God Nine. of God of all <laughs> corporations? Fucking <laughs> I think there's plenty for them to pull from there. Yes. For, that's that's actually watching watchworthy, yeah. crazy, crazy ass fantasy shit. Yeah, running around with a big old axe or whatever the hell he uses and bashing, bashing other gods and stuff. Yeah, yeah, other mythic beings. Let's. Yeah, I'm all in. Same. Yep. Who could they get to play The Rock? <laughs> you know, the last half of my sentence was going to be, who could we get, they get to play the lead that's not The Rock? <laughs> Dave Bautista? Uh, I, oh, honestly, I think he's got they, chops. I think they should cast an, uh, a relatively unknown actor. Probably. Chris Kale, the basis or five-finger death punch. <laughs> that's only because you know him. That's true. And <laughs> only... Well, he'd have to shave his beard in the beginning. He wouldn't ever do that. So we got a problem. I I actually I actually like he Batista. could get away with not. I like Batista as I mean I I don't know they'll probably go with a younger unknown yeah yeah or lesser known but actually I, I okay I haven't played the games so this, this is my Torgo game moment I haven't played the games but um, I would view that kind of character as having a world weariness that Batista just I mean he has without effort. So, I don't know. That's just my input. Regardless, I'm in. All right, so there you have it. No pofo and this game, Goosebumps and God of War. <laughs> Foot in the butter. <laughs> Foot in the butter. <laughs> so, where do you put your green light, Matt? I'm going to go with the God of War. All right. That's where my green light's going. Dear boy. Barry, where'd you put yours? Ender's Game. Jeff. Uh, I'm also going to go with God of War. And Kirsten. There's actually a few choices here. This is kind of... Uh, this yeah, is kind it's hard. Of Between God of War and Ender's Game, I, I just went with Ender's well, Game because I'm more familiar. No po-fo. I mean, Get that's... Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know what? That one is so fucking obvious. I'll have it. Um, <laughs> no, but right. uh, Goosebumps, like we said, um, that pitch didn't excite me. The IP, I think, is sound. But the pitch didn't really get me. 
And I think Barry's right. That's just an age thing. I don't know. Maybe the kids will like it. I, you know what? Aha, uh-huh, here we go. I think this is an uh, attempt to cash in on Stranger Things. All that's missing is uh, there are a bunch of 80s kids. Maybe because it's RL, it's Goosebumps. Like, there are a bunch of 90s kids. You know, but I, I'm, I'm not quite there. Uh, Ender's Game as a TV series. We've had this conversation in the past talking about doing Ender's Game and years ago and, and talking about how like a TV series to examine that whole thing. Because for me, for me, Ender's Game is not just about a space war. It's, it's where, where it went, the realization, Ender's transformation and uh, the whole attitude towards it is really important. So I think television is actually very good format for that. The Expanse showed yeah, us that. Exactly. But uh, God of War, I just, you know, big, big brute guy bashing other big brute God things. That just sounds like tons of fun. So I'm all in on God of War. All right. So we're green light and God of War. So which of these do you think are fake, Matt? <laughs> Foot in the butter. <laughs> is that the one? Is that, the one? Uh, is that your choice? Yes. Barry. Foot in the butter. Oh, boy, here it is. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, definitely no fofo. <laughs> okay, I'm Kristen. You know what? I'm I, because because it it has that whiff of too good to be true. I'm gonna go with uh, God of War because I really I'm I'm going on the logic of I really want this, therefore it has to be fake. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that um, yeah. The fake one this week was sent to us by Pete Sharon. Thank you, Pete, for sending us Ender's Game. God Whoa! damn it! They had my hopes up. That means Goosebumps, God of War, and No Pofo (laughs) are all in some form of development. (laughs) Food in the butter. (laughs) Food in the butter. Oh, my God. I would never have thought. (laughs) Well, I put my foot in the butter on that one. Well, I mean, in retrospect, Ender's Game is just far too logical. But did Uh, you remember to put a sock on your foot before you put it? Yeah, really. No, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to watch that. We're gonna have to have a viewing party yes. for No Popo. Yes. Oh my god! Wow, just one. I don't think I could. Watch yeah, really. <laughs> Episode six six six, folks. We promised it. We did not talk about Satan enough. That's a good point. Satan, Satan. <laughs> oh. I thought we were gonna talk about those kids doing the uh, the, the after school Satan club in no, uh, no. Massachusetts or whatever. You didn't hear about that? I give it to oh me. God. There was these kids. They started an after-school skate Satan club, <laughs> and there's a bunch of like parents who are r- rallying against it, saying, "Oh no, you can't have that! You're indoctrinating little kids." I'm thinking to myself, "What the fuck have you been doing, church lady?" Yeah. So yeah, there's like this whole big thing. You can Google it. After-school Satan club. It's in I think Massachusetts. Yeah, I would buy that. Well, isn't that special? Yeah, that, those type of people. By R. L. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not enough turfs in it. I wish no. I had an after-school. J. K. Stein. <laughs> Better. I, I uh, yeah, After School Satan Club is actually yeah, a magnificent white title. title. Title 100. It is absolutely. That is my and Slayer it, cover band. And it's good. I mean, you know, with all of this, uh, we get to impose our shit because of religious freedom, that um, movement that is going on. The Satan side of things really needs to step up to show the hypocrisy that underlies that. Uh, yeah. Yes. That position. Yes, so. yes, yes. After School Satan Club is in Chesapeake. I don't know what state that's in. Sounds like the Northwest. <laughs> no, it, it's Northeast. East. The, and, other, the other way. Yeah. 
Chesapeake, Maryland, maybe. Delaware. Yeah, something like that. One of those states. (laughs) The Philippines. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) And if you find our free show absolutely charming and need to throw money at it, you can join us on the Kofi, K-O-F-I slash GeekShock, and join in one of our tiers. And we want to thank our tier three members, Dance Desglossa, Daniel Loser, Snoop Tude, Elizabeth W., Gabriel Adame, Adrian Kirsch, Major Meh, Michael Hoffman, Osriel175, Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Knupp, Kenton Miller, Asia Shakai, Alexander West, and our brand new Tier 3 member, Gomer Geek. Thank you for joining yay, us. Yeah, welcome, Gomer. And a big Satan, thank you. Satan, yay! Satan, yay! <laughs> and a big thank you to also our new Tier 1 member, Matthew Bates. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Matthew yay! Bates. And, of course, yes, King Matthew. Gold. Wait, wait a minute. Matthew Bates. Cthulhu Collector. Ah. Yes. Ah. And, of course, King Vald with his once again. Yeah, yeah, King Vald. You're the king. One-off donation on top of his already massive donation he gives us. He ain't stepping into butter, that's for sure. Oh my God. It's now it's a thing. Yes, it is. Now, now it's, it's a, a sticker. Thing. Now it's a thing. Get working, <laughs> monkey. <laughs> that's a sticker. Get working, Work, monkey. monkey. And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. The uh, song's called The Burning Light. You can find his music as SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our red light, green light theme writer is Justin Nozick, a.k.a. Froyog Softserve. You can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And of course, you, dear listener, we have you to thank for getting us to 666 episodes of this crazy, nutty, nerdy little show. Not you, the, the guy next to you. Oh, yeah, the other guy that's listening. You, 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 what have you done? What have you done for us lately? The one for you and me. What? Never mind. Get working, monkey. I see the sticker now. I want a monkey that has Barry hair and beard sitting at a computer console. Throwing baseballs. And then just Matt standing over him. Get working, monkey. Maybe we could give Barry some symbols. I don't know. Barry monkey some symbols. <laughs> you know we need teach, a... Teach the clown. He would have monkey symbols. You know we need a spinning turtle with a beard, right? Yeah. This is a sticker spinning now. Spinning turtle. Yeah. yeah. You think I'm a much better illustrator than I actually I'm not am. actually asking you. I'm putting this out there. I'd ask Andy, but we know how that'll go. We'll yeah. be on episode 1000 when and we commemorate 666. Yeah, three years from now, we'll finally get uh, uh-huh. a preliminary sketch. Yeah. yeah. So... Too busy drinking that milkshake, spilling oh. it all over the carpet. <laughs> He's too busy it's spilling that carpet. milkshake. <laughs> Andy's milkshake on the carpet brings all. Oh no, it doesn't. <laughs> and until next week, hail Satan! I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Satanic K. Maple Leaf Matt. And Satan. And we'll talk to you next week <laughs> in Geek. Maybe Satan. <laughs> <laughs> For this, to prep for this episode, I, I was listening to a lot of Ghost, like the early stuff. I don't like the uh, the latest uh, album. It's, it's they're, a ghost. They're all no. That's not how it sounds. <laughs> it's, it's a ghost. ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. And you know, I actually don't enjoy Slayer. <laughs> Is that Stacy Keach? I just, I just, I just love Jeff's obvious 
joy. <laughs> he does that. He gets that smile and he just shakes his head around. And I said a thing. I don't care if anyone knows what I'm talking about. He is happy as hell. What I love is I know what he's referencing. And he's referencing a song that Paul wrote that only us, uh, only. like three or four people heard back about 15 years ago. So it goes. <laughs> Well, he's done it on the podcast a couple of times, but it's also non sequitur when he does it then, because yeah. just like you said, only a few of us know what he's talking about. Yeesh. It's a ghost. It's yeah, a, it's a ghost. Yeah. It's a ghost. Who, who stepped into butter? <gasps> there it is. It's a ghost. <laughs> then again, foot in the butter is another Paul thing that yes, has, it is. has it gone is. on for... I, I love Barry like, you're trying to make this a thing. Dude, this is ancient. Yes, yeah, say don't Paul, try and resurrect it. That, like bell-bottom jeans. That this butter is, is old. Ew, old and butter. rancid. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Teach the Clown presents Viticulture. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>